Where's my mutton? Uh, what a treat it is to stick a fork in meat again. Story! Story be damned. I want something to eat. I won't say a word until I get some peptone into my arteries. One mm. word. Mm, thanks. Have, have you been time traveling? Mm. And the salt. Mm. Yes. Yes, I have. I'll give a shilling a line for a verbatim note. I, I suppose I, I must really apologize. I, I was simply starving. I've had the most amazing time. Well, go into the smoking room. It's, uh, it's too long a story to tell over greasy plates. Yes, well, have you told Blank and, and Dash and Chose about the machine? Oh, but the thing's a mere paradox. I can't argue tonight. I don't mind telling you the story, but... I can't argue. I will tell you the story of what has happened to me if you like, but you must refrain from interruptions. I want to tell it badly, but most of it will sound like lying. Well, so be it. It's true. Every word of it now, all the same. I was in my laboratory at four o'clock, and since then, I have lived eight days. <laughs> Such days as no human being ever lived before. I'm... I'm nearly worn out, but I shan't sleep till I've told this thing over to you. Then I shall go to bed, but no interruptions. Is it agreed? Agreed. Agreed. It was at ten o'clock today that the first of all time machines began its career. I gave it a last tap, tried all the screws again, put one more drop of oil on the quartz rod, and sat myself in the saddle. I suppose a suicide who holds a pistol to his skull feels much the same wonder at what time will come next as I felt then. I drew a breath, set my teeth, gripped the starting lever with both hands, and went off with a thud. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents. Hello, all you fans of 19th century Fabian Society treatises on societal stratification and social mobility. Thinly disguised as commercially accessible sci-fi for the masses, this is the Dungeons and Dweebs podcast, episode 14, The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. I'm your host, Bob. The last time I slipped like a vapor through the interstices of intervening substances, my wife made me sleep on the couch. Urchin rolling football tentacle, the 701st. 
but I'm not alone. Across the table from me, he has the strength of a man and the softness of a woman. And after reveling with gender-ambiguous octathons and imbibing too much well-aged camphor, he'll make his way to the Palace of Green Porcelain. It's Luke! We're back, everybody. Uh, you know, we're, we're a little rusty. We're going to get through this. Um, you won't hear. Well, maybe I'll save this and we'll put all this out as a little bonus thing. Oh, God. Um, we're fresh off spring break. And, man, it's been weird. Oh. I know we've, we've all talked about it with each other. It's like there's just been a piece of our life missing. Oh, yeah. We haven't even at this for... We're, we're coming up on our one year. Yes. Our one year podcast anniversary. <laughs> well, anyway, let's let's just... Get into this. To my left, some only know him as Old Man Aspect, but to me, he's my old Uncle Club. Hey, kids. Uncle Cobb, Club's been feeling a little sentimental today. Spring is on the way, the sun has been shining, the snow is melting, the moors ontologica, the old Eleanors, the honking daffodils, the eon roses, and the Turkish little roods are, will soon be blooming. It's that time of year when an old man fantasizes about running away from that day-to-day -day rush by attaching a couple extra levers to my lazy boy and zooming forward until I find a secluded beach where I can lay on the sand, <laughs> listen to the waves as a tiny, young, semi-sentient, possibly terminal woman brings me fruity cocktails. <laughs> and we shall, we shall philosophize about the meaning of life in husky monosyllabic vernacular. God, Winter Wasteland gets to me more every year. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, across the table from me, he keeps showing up like a bad penny. Once, <laughs> twice, three times he may be. He's the Igor to my Dr. Frankenstein. He's the chase to my Ackroyd. Doctor, doctor, doctor. I hate you. <laughs> Oh, Paul, welcome back, my friend. We have missed you. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, I am back, and I am happy to be back. I have been away for a very long time, and I have missed the wonderful stench of the recording room. We're coming back around on the warm season here. I can feel it already. Yes, I, I, the, the sweat is rolling down my back. And Whatever we left in the carpeting want. last year, oh, now, now it's coming back growing. alive. Yeah. Oh. Back, Paul. Yeah, it's great to be back, boys. Oh, yeah, you know, nice to have you. You know, pinch, pinch. Pitch hitting? Pinch hitting? I don't know what the phrase is. <laughs> pinch, coming, pinch hitting. Pinch hitting. Coming pinch hitting. in last minute to save the podcast that, after some weird scheduling conflicts. Oh, that is yeah. true. I read this book about uh, four, six hours ago, give or take. <laughs> see, but then it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You're in yes. it to win it, But I friend. also read it really quick, so we'll see what I remember. We'll see. This will be fun. Yeah. yeah, it will be. Oh, boy. But, uh... I am parched already. This room is hot and stuffy. I could use something to drink. Oh, well, most definitely. Well, you know what, Paul? You've just come back. Welcome back. Get us around. Get us around. Hey, we don't serve there. Do you have any blue milk? Oh, what am I supposed to find in a... Oh, my goodness. It's bigger on the inside. I want to go to coffee stations. Power converters. Okay, okay. It's not a detonator. It's just a jammy dodger. What would it be, boys? Tavern talk. All right, we're back, uh, sitting comfy around the old tavern fire. Mm. So, it's been a long time. I'm sure we have a lot to mull over. Luke, how's your month been? <laughs> Crazy. I, <laughs> um, it's, 
it's been a good month. Um, I, you know, I sat down and, you know, I, in my traditional Netflix binges, well, usually it's a binge, but it's been binges because it's been a month and I, I the time travel is not a long book, finished it pretty quickly. Yep. Um, well, I uh, came across three uh, Netflix series that I gotta bring up. Uh, first of all, The Frankenstein Chronicles with Sean Bean. Mm. Um, it's kind of cool. It's this uh, series kind of self-aware of Frankenstein, the book, right. uh, back in old England. Um, first season was amazing. Second season got weird, and I kind of stopped watching it then. <laughs> I, I just have to say, it's Sean Bean. I'm guessing he dies episode two? Or is that uh, the other Sean? No, he's, he's, he's the main character. No, you, you have the correct Sean. Okay, He's okay, the main character okay. in the show, so... Hey, I don't know. Okay. Watch for yourself. Find one, out. One, one, does, one does not simply die when you're talking about Frank. Yeah, one does not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the Frankenstein books. Frankenstein books. Uh, um, we should do it. Ooh, I have a very good Halloween. graphic novel I can lend you. There is an idea, boys. Next Halloween, man. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Um, that, and of course, Jessica Jones Season 2. Mm. Be still uh, your heart. Be st- yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I, I did like Season 1 better. Uh, season 2, I did think it did a very good job of getting into the secondary characters without being boring and still developing upon Jessica Jones as a character. Right. Um, totally recommend that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and Flint Town. This uh, hmm. documentary following the police of the city of Flint, Michigan, which, you know, we come from a little uh, impoverished <laughs> area. This ain't nothing, you guys. <laughs> uh, maybe you feel really good about Our water. Our water smells funny, but we could still drink it. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> you can drink the water here if you want. I'm gonna <laughs> it, it hasn't killed me yet. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. Like, true. It, I mean, I'm still waiting for that heavy metal doesn't he- Heavy metal doesn't kill you right away. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works very well with my probiotics. Oh, okay. yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. I, I, I personally am using, what is it, uh, essential oils. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a new host, folks. Um, Bob has disappeared suddenly, and we <laughs> the, the women of this community will string me up. <laughs> well, no, it's all, okay. Your I've heard. Correctly. Yeah, I, I've heard that if you mix a little patchouli with a little cinnamon, it cures death. <laughs> oh yeah, Interestingly uh, enough, warts. <laughs> well, you can keep telling them that. Um, Oh, that was mean. <laughs> uh, Flint, I, I would recommend Flint Town to anybody and everybody, just as sort of an eye opener to what really is going on in Flint, Michigan. Wow. Um, just oh wait, they have like, what is it? God, like ninety police to police a hundred thousand some people. Wow. Yeah, I and heard the ratio is like a thousand to one or something like yeah, that. Well, it's I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to like how many they can have on duty at a time, you know, they have yeah. ninety overall to be scheduled. Yeah, all. right. Yeah, it's. So good. Uh, you know, and all this brings me down to the Facebook data scandal and all that. And I'm not going to get too far into that, but I've moved on. I've gone over to the realm of Vero, mm. uh, V-E-R-O. Um, it's based off the Latin word for truth. Okay. Um, no, no ads, no algorithms. I'm enjoying myself over there. Really? But I bring all this up. Um, if you go on there and you search the hashtag D and dweebs with a Z... You can find me. You can see what I'm currently watching, what I recommend, and kind of. I feel like this would play very well into the show. So, hey, if there, if any of our listeners are on Vero, search that hashtag. You'll find me 
Uh, Luke, um, and my crazy last name, which I'm, I'm not going to spell that on here for you. It starts with an N. We'll go with that. Um, find me on there. Follow me. We'll, we can sort of hash out what you're watching, what I'm watching. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I have monopolized Tavern Talk, so I'm going to pass it over to Kalab. Let's go. Hey, I tell you what, folks. This is my time of year. It is the springtime. It is the NHL playoffs combined with the MLB starting. <laughs> exactly. And so I've been doing a lot. I've been watching a lot of hockey. Hockey, watching a lot of baseball. I love the time of year where I'm able to actually do both and see kind of where the MLB teams are starting this year, where the NHL is going to eventually end up. Uh, saw Black Panther in the last month. Mm. What do you think of that? I dug Black Panther. I yeah. will say that as a I will say that as a white guy from the woods, <laughs> um, as an old white guy from the woods. Um, I dug Black Panther. It did follow. It did kind of follow the Marvel. Uh, Formula. I trope the, okay. the the Marvel formula, but it didn't. Right. That's about the only way I can explain it. Is it's mm-hmm. it's not another you know rehash of the Iron Man. Okay. It's um, I, did, I, I didn't see it, but I uh, everything I'm hearing is exactly it, what you're saying. Yeah, okay, I, that, I that saw was it. I, I it was, agree. It was it, good. It was it was a great. It, 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 I mean, it still had the certain Marvel things in it. It still followed right. the certain Marvel timeline, but it did it in such a new way. Right. And especially the beginning. The beginning starts off with just a complete WTF oh, cool. moment that cool. rolls through the rolls through the entire picture. The dude who plays him is is good. He actually just hosted Saturday Night Live, and Did was he actually really? one of one of the few funny That's things cool. on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> There's still funny stuff um, on Saturday King T'Challa <laughs> playing Black Jeopardy was hilarious. <laughs> wow. But no, wow. great, great movie. Um, hey, don't I, you forget about David S. Pumpkins. Okay, David S. Pumpkins <laughs> is great. That is great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yes, very good. Uh, just picked up my copies of Last Jedi and Ragnarok. My son and I did mm. for his birthday. I, I will tell you, bad. I will I tell you, too. the more I watch Last Jedi and the more I watch it sitting with my 10-year-old, mm. the better I I am with it. Um, uh, that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay. Of course, Ragnarok is phenomenal. Oh, gosh. And Ragnarok so is such a good movie. There are a couple things, though, I will warn you that I keep forgetting about, that I for, had forgotten about, because this was his first viewing of Ragnarok as oh, well. Oh, Ragnarok, okay. Are, uh, that, um, yeah, just really kind of quickly skip over what that ship is used for. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would have never thought of that. Yeah, what, what did he say it was used for, Dad? I don't know. I didn't catch it, but... Um, <laughs> oh, he just has birthday parties on there. Yes. <laughs> That's why they have fireworks. Um, the I've also been doing uh, getting back into a couple app games as well. Uh, I've been really into The Sims Mobile. That has... <laughs> Dorky and nerdy as I am, you know what? Um, I, I am too, and it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is how I am, folks. I, I, but we've designed. A, I've designed a house that actually has the people from the podcast as avatars living in the house together, doing things in the same. So lonely. We've doing. Got, yeah, 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 we should uh, doing things in there, there, there is a studio. Even. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the other one I've been playing is Marvel Strike Force, which has been the oh, cool. which has been advertised on TV. Yeah. It's the same game as the 85 other games. You build your characters up, you get your characters, you fight five of your characters, drop down, and you fight five other guys right. and go through the levels. It's the same game, but it's neat it's and fun. interesting and fun. Cool. Paul, what have you been up to since for yeah, what? Since, since your untimely I, death. I was going to say, yeah, I think October. <laughs> it was Halloween, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, Halloween, geez, Paul. the Halloween special, I think, was the last one I was you on. You seem to have reattached your disembodied head. I've got skills. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just if you get shot or something, I can stitch you up pretty good. Oh, However, well, I do notice the hump is on the other side. <laughs> the <laughs> 
His humps. His humps. His humps. His humps. Okay, discovery. Oh. I, I did just for the umpteenth time rewatch Young Frankenstein. <laughs> so, oh, nice. so that's why yeah, I keep bringing good. up those references. That's good. Okay. Um, for me, I've been into uh, some different video games. I played. Uh, I actually got back into Ghost Recon, so I'm going to stay, stay a little bit away from Marvel. I'll bring Marvel up in a little bit, that's I think, cool. but not, not too much of it. Uh, so Ghost Recon, uh, Wildlands, I've loved that. I'm pretty much a single-player game person. I like to yeah. sit down for an hour, play, and leave. I don't like the multiplayer. Oh, so only an hour, huh? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes a little longer than that. Speak truth. Uh, but that, and then I got re- uh, recently Far Cry 5. I'm really enjoying that game. It's... Hilarious. Let the water wash away. Oh, don't sing that song. You've been playing it in the living room, and like that, I've only watched a little bit of the gameplay. That song is. It's, I mean, it's, every, it's about a cult. Yeah, it's about it's about a cult. And they ha- every time you go to liberate like one of the cult strongholds, the song they sing just drives you a little bit insane. I mean, yeah, it's, every it's, time. It's, I mean, I I watched the beginning of it with when you were playing it. Yep. It was. I mean, it, it looked great. Yeah. The the cult leader is super crazy. Um, and then this, like, propaganda, like, music, let the water Why wash away your sins. <laughs> it's just, I mean, there's, like, it's, like, a verse and then that chorus over yeah, and over, over and at over. their camps. Wow. It drives you, like, it yeah, is believe, wonderful yeah. to liberate those camps because then you stop hearing that music. <laughs> Break the speakers <laughs> yeah, first. It's, it is one of those where you hear that. And it just drives you a little insane. I have really enjoyed it. It's been hilarious in my mind. All the different characters you meet, all the different things that you can do in it. It's just a fun game that you can waste, you know, an hour, three hours, I, whatever I did, you need to. I did like that you were a marshal and it made me think of uh, Justified. You know, that's you're, one of my favorite sheriff. series. Sheriff. Sheriff? No, yeah, you're, you're not a marshal. No. There's De- only deputy. One, there's one marshal. You're a deputy marshal. Oh, I just always assumed that he was a rook. That he that they were a rook rookie. Uh, oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I, you've been person. playing the game. I thought. I, but yeah. yeah, that that game. I've also been reading a couple comic books. I've read The Killing Joke. Oh, great yeah. classic, great one, and disturbing. Let me tell you, that was that is the first comic you, that you, I ever read. You that, read it, okay? Yeah, that mm. that really disturbed me. Oh. It was at oh, a whole. I, yeah, yeah, it I'm was the, at the only a one at the table who hasn't read it. Whole different level that one for me when I was when I was younger and I first is it picked that it old? up. It's yeah. it's really old. It's nineties. Yeah, yeah, really? it, and it is it is disturbing. I mean, I was reading and kind of went, oh, they yeah. okay. Well, you know, anything with the Joker. I mean, it's. I guess ever since ever Heath since Ledger, they decided yeah. to yeah ever oh, since Heath Ledger with the Joker I I've I've loved the character I mean I don't know, I'll take I'll take or leave Jared Leto's Joker yeah, um, yeah. oh oh, oh <laughs> struck a nerve with Bob <laughs> yeah I don't like Jared Leto I don't I don't like Jared Leto either yeah. but the what he I don't know the director's cut of Suicide Squad right. was okay okay um anything after Heath Ledger's Joker, it, I mean, it, right. that really attached me to the character. Right. Like, really, something you know, DC has always been kind of like goofy, campy to me. But then, like yeah. that, Chris Nolan's right. trilogy was super good. So I, you know, that's just—it's just so surprising that that came on the '90s. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's where this was all inspired from. It is dis- it definitely, yeah. Definitely. And honestly, so? after reading that, well, we'll get there because then you're going to bring up something that I'm going to dovetail off. Yeah, because so, yeah. I, after reading that, I then jumped into another series recently, and I got yelled at by you, Bob. I did yell at you hardcore. I 
accidentally, I was given these books. Okay, wait, let me let me let me set the stage. So some rube who will remain nameless gave you the prequels to the Watchmen yes. without having you ever read the actual Watchmen comic. Boom! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I read the prequel to And I believe this Rube may occasionally listen to this podcast, so oh. I'm calling you a Rube, Rube. <laughs> Isn't I I do wanna I wanna bring this up. I think Watchmen is really what sparked this podcast. Yeah. Didn't we we read it, watched the movies, we're talking about it at lunch. And we're saying yeah. It was that's, that, and, yeah. and for some reason we kept going around. Should we podcast about Star Wars? And yet yeah. it was Watchmen that had brought us all. Together. Yeah, I uh, really? yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was what uh, I absolutely, and which I had told you, I love Watchmen. Probably, uh, probably about a year ago. Yeah, I feel like Watchmen is one of one of those series. Like I feel like the the term um, graphic novel just gets thrown about and it just means anytime they take issues collect them together in a trade paperback it's a graphic novel whereas The Watchmen is like a quintessential graphic novel you know and I I feel like it's it's head and shoulders above a lot of other things I would agree with you now that after you told me and after I stopped reading the prequel (laughs) I did get through one of the stories about uh, the comedian then I stopped <laughs> but uh, so I, I did stop I didn't go on a Rorschach story <laughs> that's good much which, as I which, wanted to which I'm so glad you didn't because the f- like you could not read Rorschach's yeah. prequel that's actually that's so, I, I've, he- I've heard about that that Rorschach's prequel was like the best one really so yeah. Yeah. but I would rather you be introduced to the character as you should be introduced and to see him. that's that's one of the great things about the original Watchmen the yeah. way you're introduced to these characters who are already established in this universe yeah you don't know and Everything you, you're, you yeah exactly you don't know and you're what is going on? That's what I'm saying is like you could I to me it would be awful it's, to read prequels and get to know these characters before they're revealed to you the way they're revealed to you in the in the Watchmen comic. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's so good. Yeah, that's very true. But I I want to get back to that graphic novel thing that you said because yeah. I find it really important and you made a great point. Yeah. I would have skipped over probably the long bits of text and things like that right. that were in between the. Comics. Yeah. When I when I was w- first looking through it, I would probably skim through. I might skim through that long part. part but you were like, no, you have to read it. It's, read it's it. a great part. It is making it an actual graphic novel, and I did. And yep. you, you're right. It, it does make it, it a true it a, novel versus just yep. I'm reading a comic, then another one, then another one. Right. I all agree. jammed together. It connects the stories. Right. And I mean, this came out in '86, and that's I think what we're kind that's of crazy. That's where I'm going through is with '86 with Alan Moore writing The Watchmen. You know, and then it was 88 comes out The Killing Joke. I feel DC mm-hmm. was... Uh, I don't read a lot of DC. Um, and God, a lot of... The Killing Joke, 88. 88, yeah. And a lot a lot of the times... Uh, I, I, I come off as a big Marvel fan, but a lot of his... You, a person has a limited amount of time in their day and life. Uh, you know, so I haven't delved into the DC as much as I'd like to. But I feel like they were the first one to really draw blood with, like... You know, the Watchmen and the Killing Joke really pushing their characters to that really darker level that now we kind of enjoy or is being used with movies Mm -hmm. and and things with comic book characters. But, yeah. Yeah, what about you? What do you got? got? I'm sorry for monopolizing your time. No, this is all good because, I mean... Yeah, it's a good one. It goes... Yeah, yeah, it's a good back and forth. But what, what what's been your uh, nerding? Okay, out? so it seems like we're talking a little bit about cinema. I haven't watched anything in cinema mainly because I've been watching old junk. Yes. Uh, going back and watching seventies 
uh, sword and sandal junk and and seventies and and eighties uh, sci fi stuff. I mean, I was watching like. Uh, Galaxina, don't even ask. Yeah, uh, those all, sound, <laughs> those all um, sound great, but I also love the room. Yeah, so I mean, it's all yeah. good. Rollerball, um, watch, watch like Rollerball and uh, uh, Capricorn. Capricorn, Capricorn one, <laughs> which uh, I had never seen. Capricorn one, and I actually really enjoyed that movie. It, Capricorn, it's, Capricorn it, one. It's it's basically um, uh, the 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 idea behind it. Is that they f- not the fake moon landing, but a fake Mars landing? Um, okay. As where they're they're faking the Mars landing. Uh, NASA doesn't have enough money to pull it off. Um, everybody, including the president, thinks they're actually pulling it off. They launch the rocket, everything, but they pull the astronauts out of the mm-hmm. capsule, bring them to a sound stage, and pretty much say your family's going to die. We, you know, unless you ro- go through with this faked thing. The trouble is, is then on re-entry, the capsule burns up. Oh. So they're they were supposed to return as these heroes and fake the story, but the capsule capsule burns up, so they have to like escape and they're running across the desert. Oops. I just want the juice is in it. OJ Simpson is in what? <laughs> I'm looking at the cast list here. OJ Simpson. <laughs> Kelly hey, uh, Savalas. Hey, you know, it's OJ Simpson, it's the juice and Kojak. <laughs> you know what? Know. The naked gun is one of my favorite trilogies. Oh, really? The that juice sounds, is in that. The juice is in that. No, yeah. I agree. This sounds wonderful. However, every time you say it, I automatically go to Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Capricorn? Capricorn. Is that what? Caprica? Caprica, yeah. Capricorn. Yeah. Every single time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, every, interesting. I think Battlestar, but... I know. I, I was right there with you. Right there with you. Sorry. Great. And, and I did Logan's... Thanks for coming back, Paul. Yeah. It's really <laughs> nice. Thanks for coming back. I got my Battlestar <laughs> quote in. Thank you. Uh, Logan's Run as well, I watched. Ooh. which Oh, I, I love Logan's yeah, Run. Yeah. It was... A lot of them, you know, they're really goofy uh, but I, I enjoy them there's just part of me nostalgic uh, I like them mm. um, but let's go on to books uh, first of all I joined Oprah's book club and started reading A Wrinkle in Time <laughs> you went with a classic very okay. very classic. I am probably like even my wife who does not read all that much uh, was like you've never read A Wrinkle in Time I had never read this and then there was all of these commercials for the new movie coming out and they're uh, talking that, about how it's a classic isn't, isn't that a movie and mm-hmm. I am looking at okay I, I have not seen the movie but I'm watching the trailers going this looks awful like this like the trailers made me think it looked awful it just kind of mm-hmm. looked like uh, people standing in fields twirling around with butterflies yeah. flying you around want a, you want a terrible wrinkle in time watch the 90s wrinkle in time there's a wrinkle in time from the 90s oh it is 90s that's, okay that's oh, is, that, is that the one that has the $10 budget yeah, I'm pretty. The, the like, uh, it's it's bad. I, I will jump on your uh, bandwagon here. I, I've never read that. Yeah, I've never read. But I guess like even my wife uh, was read to her in school, and so many people have been like, "Oh, the Wrinkle in Time." It's it's a fantastic book. So it's very small. So I grabbed it, uh, quickly read through it. It's not bad. I mean, it it, it feels like you know, uh, a more young adult novel from from the sixties. It is know? a trilogy and. Uh, it's even, I think, more than that, isn't it? It, isn't, it maybe might more. be. I know. I know that Barnes and Noble's re- released a like a group of them, all of them together. Right. So I have it. But I, I did like it. But upon reading it, I'm like, I don't really know if it would lend itself, at least the first book, to a movie that would be ma- have mass audience appeal. But because um, it's just kind of odd, you know. But uh, intriguing, but odd. I could but see I like with it. nowadays. CGI, maybe. Yeah. But back when they made that original, because I mean, I I read it to my class, right. 
and I showed a bit of that movie, and I wanted to puke. But even bit. having read it, still nothing that I'm seeing in these trailers looks like anything from the book. Well, <laughs> do they ever do that? Uh, I, I did a lot of other reading. I started two series, which I put the brakes on, but I might return to. One is The Lord of the Isles by David Drake, and the other is The Rune Lords by David Farland. Okay. I recommend The Rune Lords by David Farland. I thought uh, he was a really good author. Uh, so authors, I, I know this for everybody who's listening probably too, there are some authors that their writing style flows for you and it really works. And I thought The Rune Lords with David Farland, it, his writing style was really good. I thought his ideas in the book were really good in terms of uh, his use of magic. I thought was was pretty cool. Lord of the Isles is something by David Drake that I'd been told to read for a long time. It's a large series, so I started reading it. It is one of the first books, in fact, I got two of them to talk about, that I stopped reading halfway through. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. You? I did. I know. I yeah, couldn't believe you're it. Such um, a, you're such a trooper. Uh, you're a completist. <laughs> yeah, I yes. am. So I am. So pretty much it started out by, okay, you know when you go to Amazon and you buy a lot of books and then they recommend crap to you, mm. Mm -hmm. right? So one kept popping up. I made the mistake of judging a book by its cover. And I bought this book. And so if this happens to you, listeners, I'm, I'm warning you away from this book. I, I, I just, on a whim, bought it. It's called An Enchantment of Ravens. Um, the cover looked really it cool. sounds good. Sounds cool. Good title. Um, I, I read through, again, it had like five-star reviews and like lots of them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it was all about, okay, it's it's like the uh, the fae, fae folk in Ireland, you know, and stuff like that. It's about that. And I'm like, oh, you know, we're coming up on March mm -hmm. when I bought this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, I could go for a good Irish tale about the fae. You know, yeah, sounds it good. It is awful. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea that there's an entire subgenre that I don't even know what they call it, where it's kind of like a young adult, uh, girl teen fiction, where it's basically about girls getting into trouble, and then like they always make jokes about how they they end up at balls, like they're just all dancing in. In uh, in dresses at I balls. Kinda, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's basically what this was. It there was. They're not on Earth. They're so not in like Ireland. A, it's just like you're thrown into this world sort where like there's... like a Cinderella genre. It's like a... Yes. Yes. It's like a Cinderella genre where it's like this girl paints pictures. Mm -hmm. These fairy folk come to her. They paint. She paints their pictures. Um, and then, of course, the dark one that makes her a little bit scared, but Ooh. a little bit attracted comes. Oh. And then she just kind of follows them through the woods, and they have a little bit of hijinks and a little fighting, and then they end up at a ball. <laughs> they're dancing. By the time we got to the ball, I literally almost threw the book across <laughs> the, the room because and not because of what's going on in it right like I could read a well-written book about going to a ball yeah. or whatever and and the fairy folk and everything like that it just the worst setup of characters the worst dialogue the fighting was awful there was no setup of the world I didn't know where they were like what is the mechanics of these worlds what is the land she's in it's obviously not earth mm -hmm. but I don't know that like it it was really bad but dude she's at a ball with, well, with it the character that's a little shady. You don't yeah, it made me totally distressed to Amazon and its uh, star rating yeah. system. Um, <laughs> well, but, and it's well, all of a sudden, why is it that the I'll, I'll get on my 
soapbox here as the old guy. Yeah. Why are the algorithms all out to get us? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Amazon's I, now coming after us with crap. You're with crap as well. And then I just, uh, to put a kind of a button on it, Lord of the Isles, David Drake, I so wanted to like this, but his writing style, I don't know how to describe it other than, um, for a lot of people, maybe they love it, and I loved his ideas, and I loved what the world that he was creating, and I think I will return to it and push myself through it. But his writing style is, for me, like pushing through gelatin. Ooh. You know, like you know how sometimes for for a person a writing style doesn't flow, uh -oh. and you're just slogging running through, through it. sand. Yeah, running through sand. I just couldn't get into the flow of his writing style, and, it and is just, it one of those with is one of those to the flow too, where you're screaming in the back of your head, just get to the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's an awful lot of kind of describing of of the land and every. It's very detailed and very Wait, rich. We're in, a, we're in a room, and yeah. you just spent two pages describing a brick that has no bearing on the story whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a red brick. He's not that bad but I there's just something about there's authors put words together in different ways and something about the way he does things uh, it just does not flow but we've got uh, one last thing to discuss in Tavern Talk and that's uh, we got a little bit of some feedback right uh, a little bit yeah um, you know I mean you know there were a couple of people talking to us you know before or right Right after we started our break. Um, Another shout out, of course, to old Steve Franz. Yeah, oh, Steve. Um, <laughs> I yeah, love that hey, guy. Eric on Facebook, um, he started writing us, and this is kind of just one of the, I'm going to say cool things about doing a podcast. Uh, back March 1st, wrote to us, he's on episode two. Yeah. Which came out in September. Yeah, it's cool. And it's... People are it's, still finding us, which it's, I love. Yeah, awesome. I mean, he's on... He, Eric uh, re reached out to us, said he was on episode two. He was a big Dragonlance fan since 1989. Um, and he did a song about the twins from Dragonlance, old Raceland and Caramon. Right. Um, and he was actually featured on the, dunge uh, the Dungeons and Dweebs. <laughs> While you're being featured on our podcast. Uh, on the Dragonlance website. Right. Um, he thinks we might like the lyrics, and he just wanted to share. Um, obviously, I mean... It's awesome. I mean, thank yeah. you for... It's cool. I mean, maybe he got to our later episodes and realized what was going on with us in Dragonlance. <laughs> um, but it's... We're coming back around. Yeah, to the, and I'm uh, excited to come back around. The Summer of Lance 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and... Yeah, Paul, you're coming back for that, right? I think I think I'm scheduled to be back on the podcast for an extended period of time. Yeah, you you're gonna be, you're gonna be with us the... next month. Um, yeah, be gone for the next one, and then back for the, the summer of Lance. The summer of Lance Electric Boogaloo. But kind of back to what you're saying, um, Eric. Um, we're gonna really feature him and and have links and stuff to when we get back to Dragonlands because that's when I, I I'm thinking our Dragonlands audience mm -hmm. will really kind of start coming back and we'll be really putting out things out to Dragonlands sites. So we're gonna give him the full treatment uh, come come uh, July. July. But yes. I won't lie. When we first got it, I was kind of you know skeptical. There's part of me that goes like, oh, a guy wrote music for Dragonlance. Oh, okay. Right? You wrote, yeah, you wrote music for a book. Okay. I went and listened to it and, and since I've listened to most of what he uh, has done with his band. No, it's legit. Yeah, it is yeah. It is good oh, stuff. When I, As soon as I started those first, the first riffs of the song, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, wait. Like a small, I got a 
a smile. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh no, this this is not the stuff that I thought it was going oh, to no, be. I completely expected I, it to be. I, I completely expected it to be the guitar player dude on the stairwell from Animal House. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, right. you, you were at least giving it that. I was waiting for like some weird like MIDI like piano like yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no. The guy yeah. with the keytar super cool. By. No, super it is. Cool. It is. Cool. It's great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna try to maybe iron some things out with him yeah. so we can use use some of that music. But, but, you know what? I I'm sure we'll have plenty of time for Dragonlance come this summer. Oh, we'll have and tons hopefully of time. an air conditioner. But we'll we'll get around to that. Right. At any rate, I we have some time, some fourth dimensional travel. Oh, to gosh. dive into. My cup is empty. Um, I bought the last round. That's okay, you fine. Guys know. I, I got it. I got it. Hey, oh, right. thanks, man. All Thank right. You, man. Uh, why don't you uh, make sure? Why don't you give me something fruity since we're going to the land of the Eloy? <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you know Tashi Station? I'm a leaf on the wind. It's a freaking fight for me. I'm a leaf on the wind. Waiting around for that Skywalker kid to come pick up the Pelican boy. We got downloads into the system. Pull up a chair, friend. And so, here we return. Round the tavern table, mugs full of some sort of fermented grain, mm-hmm. ready to discuss H.G. Wells's The Time Machine. I know. Before we start this out, you guys, I have to share this right away because I'll be making reference to this as we go. Okay. You're breaking our protocol. I am breaking protocol a little bit here. Oh, dare you. What? I fear change. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll no. do it. I, 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 no, I, no, we haven't no. done the summary yet. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah. So something I'm going to share with you guys here is there are numerous stage versions of the time machine. Really? <laughs> and I'm coming back at this. First time I read the time machine, I was in ninth grade. Okay. And I read the story because I actually played the time traveler oh. in one of the stage, per- in oh one of the stage pieces of this. Okay. And so I, most of my memories rereading this now are go back to the people I was on stage with playing these characters. Mm. That's cool. I like that. That's pretty cool. And it's, I guess, you know, as long as we're talking about our familiarity. Right. Before we, I. Yeah, let's. um, Mine, I had only seen the movie that came out in the 2000s. The Guy Pearce movie. The Guy, yes. Um, I loved it. I mean, I, I, I really think that that's where my love of time travel science right. fiction started. Yep. See? Was with that. And I never had read this book entire at all. I've, no, no, I've I, yeah, it. I, yeah, I've, I've, well, I haven't read it. I haven't seen the movies. I oh. came 100% wow. fresh oh, wow. into the, hey, we need you to read this quick. Eh, all right, oh. what the heck? And, so, and it was, mm-hmm. and it's all new to me. Oh. And, and when I was a little kid, uh, back in the days of VHS, my cousins had taped the 60s version of the time machine. Mm-hmm. And I remember, oh, yeah, you told me that there was a 60s the, version. Yeah. I had no and, idea. And so that, what we would always, I remember kind of scaring each other with talking about the, the Morlocks. Um, Although I think we got it wrong. Now I, I got to go back and watch that movie. I think we'd always call them Dulocks. <laughs> so I don't know if the movie calls them Dulocks or if the movie calls them Morlocks. Uh, but I think we're going to do the movie. So we'll find out. We uh, will. Yeah, we? We, yeah, we're going to oh. do the movies. Uh, okay. Yeah. And by the way, we've told you we're doing Blade Runner movies too. We still are. Just they're coming. <laughs> it's bonus. It's bonus. It's content. bonus. It's we're, bonus. We're going to keep the actual episodes on track and do the bonuses around yeah, that Bonuses now. will come when bonuses can come. Yeah. Uh, because... They're bonuses. 
Can we say bonus one more time? Um, this is a bonus bonus. Exactly. But I had, I had saying bonus. I had read the illustrated children's classics version really? from the library yeah, shelves. Yeah, I believe that this this book is on the calendar because of either you, Bob, or you, Claw. Yeah, I, I wanted it. Mm. I wanted it bad. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love the movie, so right. I was totally down with this. But you know, let's. We can talk the movies when we get to the movies. We talk the movies when we get to the movies. Let's talk about the book while we're on the book. Right. Bob, do you got a synopsis for us, uh, or are we just barreling into this blind? <laughs> well, we may be barreling into this blind, but I do have somewhat of a plot synopsis. Although me. it can't be too long, otherwise it would be the whole book. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, Heinemann Publishing, 1895. The oldest Yikes. book... This now takes the golden microphone for the oh. oldest book. Uh, that ladies we ever and gentlemen, do. the golden microphone for the oldest book goes to Ishi Wells' The Time Machine. Oh. Hey. All right. English dinner parties are places where true men of means and ambition can gather around the fire and discuss world affairs, the economy, and the airspeed velocity of unladen swallows. However, in the time machine, we are treated to a quite unique dinner party where the unnamed host quickly turns the evening's conversation to the divisive topic of time travel. His guests are incredulous to his wild theories and surmises. He has built a time machine, he says, and he will prove it. But even after showing off the wondrous contraption, most in attendance leave believing the man to be a charlatan. The following week, however, the time traveler again has a house full of guests and appears to the group fashionably late and somewhat disheveled. He sits by the fire and relates to them a most wondrous story of discovery and terror. Traveling far into the future, our traveler encountered a wondrous race of humans called the Eloi. They live in a lush and verdant paradise earth. Yet because they chose to follow the writings of Karl Marx, they have become impotent and stupid. <laughs> our traveler lives among them for a time and gains the affection and adoration of one of the female Eloi named Weena. But things are not as they seem, and our traveler finds his time machine stolen. An investigation leads him to discover a second and far more hideous race, the Moorlocks. They hold the knowledge of machines and live like a, a golem-like existence in the dark underground caverns of the earth. They are barbaric and have domesticated the degenerate Eloy into a mere source of food. Our intrepid traveler knows his only chance is to square up and open up a can of 19th century beatdown <laughs> on the year 802,701. Guns, germs, and steel? Oh no, Mr. Diamond, it's matches, crowbars, and camphor for this time traveler. Fleshy, bulbous heads are bashed and jaws containing tiny teeth are dislocated as our hero breaks into the chamber beneath the white sphinx and activates the time machine. Off we go on a mind-bending tour of the far-flung future. The Earth lies cold and desolate as the sun slowly expands in death to a red and dying orb. Our traveler is confronted with the mind-blasting vista, his aw the awesome and humbling scope of the universe. He alone is witness to the impermanence of man and the true, unrelenting grist mill of time which turns all civilizations to mere chaff. Our traveler returns to his own century, now burdened with the knowledge of humanity's fate. He gathers his equipment, determined to prove the truth of his tale. Disappearing into his lab, he once again slips into the stream of time, never to be heard from again. Dum dum. Dum dum dum. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I... Just 18 what? 
1895. Yeah. I, I did not read that before I started reading this book. Yeah. And really what, what had tipped me off to it is just there's little, like the two-day, two-night T-O dash. Right. Um, that was really the only thing that had tipped me off. I didn't know this. I knew this book was old. Right. I didn't know it was that old. Yeah. I mean, once they once they really got into like the start of that collective of guys all getting together on that mm-hmm. day, it seemed it seemed very much upper class English. As right. soon as I started reading them, like, okay, upper class English, olden days. Right. They'll sit around in the cigar room mm-hmm. smoking. I mean right. it's it just like we're it definitely has that English feel. And of course I'm thrown right to like Jules Verne. It mm. feels like Jules Verne novels, but even more so than Jules Verne, I feel his his writing is very accessible. Uh, it really kind of cruises along. It's not overburdened mm. with too much of those descriptive words, you know, mm. uh, that sometimes late and, 1800s and, and he, writers use. And you know what? He, as a writer, was not impervious to this. What was the? You, oh you brought a packet gosh. over and yeah. read to me like three sentences. From a paragraph about some about the Argonauts. Yeah, so there was an earlier uh, version uh, that this is based on that H.G. Wells wrote. It was his first book called The Chronic Argonauts. There it is, yes. Yeah, uh, it was originally from the Science Schools Journal in 1888. I started reading part of it. I, I honestly, I wanted to read it for this podcast. Didn't find myself with enough time mm. to get through, even though it's only like 17 pages long. It's available everywhere as a free PDF. Mm. No, it is a completely different writing style. style. There's a, almost no dialogue. Mm. And it is all just this laborious mm. uh, descriptions of things. I mean, literally, it it is. these are not small pages on the PDF I'm looking at. And it is... It is a page and a half mm. just describing the house. Yeah, that, that, the that, decrepitude of a house. That, that was what you, you had showed me <laughs> while we were waiting for our co-hosts here. Um, th- there are some writers who can do this, and maybe H.G. Yeah. Wells became that when he wrote the Time Machine. Right, but not not in eighteen eighty when he wrote that. Oh when no, it's, it, it, it's just a bumbling. It, it's a a bumbling description of. Things. Well, and I think that's one of the things that speaks with H.G. Wells here is by transferring it by moving everything into this first person story within a story yes, yes. setup you actually get the feeling of sitting there listening to him tell the story and essentially mm. holding court in his smoking room right. yes. and yeah. telling the story to all these other gentlemen and in keeping with the first person we get the descriptions of mm. things as he's describing them in the story within the story mm. but it doesn't feel overburdened. Right. It doesn't feel like that's, that's a very page, good description. Like the, yeah, like the four pages about the rock on the side <laughs> of the road that <laughs> exactly. has no bearing on the story whatsoever. The details he gives us, he to very go back pertinent. to are very pertinent and mm-hmm. to go back to um, something we talked about right at the very beginning when we started the po- podcast, we all have this idea of Chekhov's gun. Right. Where if you're mm-hmm. describing something to us, if you're telling us about something, it, it be- sure <laughs> as crap better come into play <laughs> yeah, later on. Later on down the road. No, I agree. But H.G. Wells himself is a fascinating man. I had not read into his life uh, until until kind of doing some back research for the podcast. Um, and uh, if you're wondering, H.G. Wells comes from uh, Herbert George Wells is hmm. what what, okay. what the H.G. stands for. Who is who, who is the author I'm thinking of that was a woman that took a man's name to write books? There's uh, been a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, there's a lot of the classic. Is there really? That, 
I mean, back back in the time, you couldn't women, get published. Yeah, you couldn't get published if you were okay. a woman. Okay, so yeah, so, like, so H.G. Wells is not one of them. Not, no, not one of them. No, 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 no. Oh, is. I've got things to say about him not. There, no, he is definitely not. Are you not. thinking of J.K. Rowling? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there is, I'm trying to think of what the TV show is that I think we're somebody, thinking of the same thing. Where the TV show is, where they where H.G. Wells is still alive, I don't remember what the TV show is because she time travels, and they said she. They made H.G. Wells a female. Yeah. Was just that, for the that, TV show. Was that Doctor Who? Doctor Who I don't done think that. it was Doctor no, Who. No, because they're, no. they're Accurate. It was. Yeah. I feel like it was something from the we're, sci-fi yeah, from our we're, childhood. We're era. thinking of the same yeah. thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, because right? I, I remember the movie or the TV show, but I don't remember mm. the title of it or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, at, but at any rate, talking about how he writes and what he writes, that's it's a very good stepping off point of going into chapter one, right. where they are just talking about the concept of the fourth dimension. Oh, the fourth dimension, and right. how gripping that is right i mean even it's the 1890s yeah well well like what i, I can what i, I what, when man. i first read this part what i'm what I, I instantly came away with is how um a lot of what wells is saying though written in in the late 1800s does not feel dated no. Whatsoever. No. This sounds like things that Stephen Hawking would be saying, you know, mm. to us. Uh, yeah. Does a cube exist? Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, the concepts that he is striking on uh, have not aged very no, much. Yeah. No, not at all. And the way he writes, and the way he writes, and the way that he puts words to paper now. Uh, a lot of times have been termed what's called scientific fi- or excuse me scientific romance. Yes. Oh, for sure. Where, where you Him get and Jules those details, Verne, for sure. and you go back and when you go back and you look at the list of things that we all know that are in yeah. our cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. That are H.G. Wells, Island of Doctor Moreau, Invisible Man, War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, those were all. I those were all originally H.G. Wells. They were. I, and I, I like to dive into H.G. Wells, the man, for a second because yeah, well, yeah, I think that. When when it. when finding out about him, it actually informs this book mm-hmm. and 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 other things. So H. G. Wells, first of all, was not a rich man. When when he was he was born in uh, the youngest of four, uh, but his father kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, he his father was inherited kind of this um, this family. Uh, store mm-hmm. that never did well. His mother, it, it, kind of a weird family story. His mother ended up having to go back after his, his father made extra money playing uh, cricket uh, and broke his hip. And so oh, he couldn't wow. get this extra flow of money. And so his mother was forced to go back to being a maid and they actually separated and lived like a separate life for the rest of their wow. their days. And, uh, and so he was kind of forced at a very young age to kind of start working. And, and I think this is where you start to see this class system. He starts getting introduced mm-hmm. to okay. the haves and the have-nots of English society mm-hmm. that starts informing, you know, I think some of the ideas that come out in this, in this book he he's forced to take a job as a draper <laughs> a what a draper you, you, what even, is a draper? One, one who drapes one who drapes yeah it's as a person who works with textiles uh okay, you know you, and sells you. cloth i guess as as we looked at but he was a, an incredibly smart boy and as a young boy he broke his leg was lad. bedridden for a lad a bloke mm. <laughs> and he was he was bedridden for quite a time and that's when he found his love of literature started reading oh. everything and that never never left him but uh if he sounds very scientific 
Reykjavik. He was. Uh, eventually, he's going to win a scholarship to the Norman School of Science. Wow. Uh, where he is going to uh, study under none other than Thomas Henry Huxley, who is known as Darwin's bulldog. Yeah. So Darwin had come out with his theory of evolution, yeah. and okay. and Thomas Henry Huxley was like his sounding like the guy who was championing evolution and yes. pushing it forward and and so H.G. Wells is like learning underneath him so a lot of his ideas about you know maybe the evolution of society mm-hmm. creatures time the human race the huge scope of time I mean this is kind of new concepts mm-hmm. oh the, you know yeah, I mean, concepts that had been around in the upper classes or or the you know the renaissance men mm-hmm. who would sit around and discuss these things but these are new concepts coming yeah. out at this time you know deep the idea of deep time um, he, he does also embrace the idea of socialism uh, and joins something called the Fabian Society. Um, so, and I think you see those ideas of class struggle and socialism oh, in this definitely. in this book. Although, oddly, I did not read about H.G. Wells until after reading this book, and I took a wrong read on what he was saying mm-hmm. about social. Or if he's making statements about socialism, they're coming through a weird lens that I was mm-hmm. seeing, seeing it slightly different. So I can't wait till we get yeah, to that. Yeah, let's get to that when we get. When to we that. get to that, yeah. Okay. But anyway, he ends up getting a bachelor in zoology, in science and. Bo- uh, zoology. Uh, he teaches uh, one of the kids in his class is A. A. Milne. Mm-hmm. So Dungeons and Dweebers, uh, another sure. author there who wrote Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. A. A. Milne, among other things, a very famous author. But this is where things get kind of funny to me. Uh, he married his cousin Isabel Wells. They they later separated, and he marries his student, <laughs> Amy Robbins. And it's funny because I don't know what old Amy Robbins was doing, but this is when he starts writing, and in the next 18 months, he cranks out every book you've probably heard of from him. Yeah. <laughs> Truly wow. a writer's muse. Well, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you look at a lot of the history here, I don't know what uh, Miss Ro- Mrs. Robbins, Mrs. Wells was doing. I we know what H. G. Wells was doing. And that's a whole bunch of other women. Yeah, let's get there. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like hello, Amy Robinson, uh, and then yeah, he writes all of these books. But yeah, like you said, his wife allows him to have open affairs with with all these other women, and and these are high profile women. Margaret Sanger, who is like this birth control activist, very famous in the at the turn of the century, mm-hmm. uh, especially in New York and other places, uh, pushing for the rights of women to yes. ha- have abortions and use birth control. Um, adventure writer Odette Kuhn, Soviet spy Mora Budberg, and novelist Elizabeth von Arnim. Amber, you know, Amber Reed, which results in the, a daughter, which, yes. his wife, which his wife was cool with. And feminist writer Rebecca West. Rebecca West. Rebecca West was a very hardcore, was a hardcore, like, suffragette feminist writer at this time in and the early 1900s. And yet is 26 years his, his junior, Harry's old Wellesley, or, and they, or has an affair with old Wellesley. And they have what a, the heck? And they have a son. It's going on. And they have a son, and she probably dies of cancer. Probably. <laughs> and what I love is this guy is married, is allowed to traipse around doing all this stuff with every other woman he knows, and he writes about himself, I was never a great amorist, <laughs> 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 though, though I have loved several people very deeply. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It was Jane who died of cancer in the 20s, not Oops. Rebecca. That was my fault. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy... Uh, wow. No, you, you were never a great monogamist. Is yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, I've never been a great monogamist. Well, if she lets you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is the person, though, who coins the term time machine. Not like that's a hard thing to coin, but the idea of time machine, it comes from this... Oh, yeah, time. yeah. I mean, you know, like, be, being from a point of time... A point of time... Right. ...where that has already existed, it's it's... I do like simple, like, compound words like yeah. that. Time machine. TARDIS. Yeah. Time and relative dimensions in space. Uh, that's a acronym. Not an acronym. It is an acronym. It is an acronym. Yes. It's not an abbreviation. Correct. <laughs> there you go. Well, actually, yeah. an acronym is a type of abbreviation. Um, yes. <laughs> an acronym is an abbreviation, but an abbreviation is not an acronym. Is that what? No, I don't. I, don't at, look any, at, me. at any rate... <laughs> Um, I, I do. I love words like that. I love right. how like very specific H.G. Wells yes. is on his details. Right. Throughout this, when he's talking about the fourth dimension, when he's talking about what the parts of his time machine are that work. Right. It's perfect. And I, I feel like H.G. Wells had a time machine because he is known as being fairly prophetic yeah. about a lot of things. He Crazy. Pre- he predicted the atomic bomb, which that should be said with some caveat. He wrote a novel which uses the idea of the atomic bomb. This mm. is before way before any of this was ever invented. Uh, but they they knew uh, this the idea of radioactive decay, and he just kind of pushes it mm-hmm. to its limit. Although he said they would explode with the same force as a regular uh, explosive, but just keep exploding for days and days and days. And that's how all this massive destruction... Still. But, but, but still. still. Yeah. Um, but he would. He said when in his book, uh, he, he talks about the the earlier 20th century mm-hmm. and says that we kind of destroy ourselves. And it says that, uh, he says, nothing could have been more obvious to the people of the early 20th century than the rapidity with which war was becoming impossible. But they did not see it until the atomic bombs burst in their fumbling hands. Wow. So I guess you would say already he's kind of a dystopian. <laughs> in yeah. some ways he's seeing yeah. the fall. Is that, uh, is that from, uh, what, Mind's Eye at the End of Its Tether? I think so, but I'm not sure. It's, I did not write down where that's from. But that's one of the things that I actually have written. It's a yeah. super pessimistic essay about humanity. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote it right before he died. Oh, and it's wow. super pessimistic. It's just... It, right, which it, makes sense because he would have lived through World War... He dies right at the end of World War II in 46. Yeah. So, I mean, so he's seen the fall of Hitler and yeah, I can see him having... And the bombing of, and the bombing yeah, of London. Right, and, right, right. You know, everything going through and with that. And sitting where we're sitting. Right. It's looking pretty accurate, right? I mean, it's but his his grasp on even just uh, what humans were going to do throughout mm-hmm. the twenty uh, 20th century, uh, he's for the, he predicted things about the year two thousand. He didn't get everything right, mm-hmm. uh, but he he said trains and cars would result in the dispersion of population from cities to suburbs which was totally on. Um, He said moral restrictions would decline as men and women seek greater sexual freedom, which is also true. And he was okay with that. And he was okay with that. Clearly. Uh, Obviously. Obviously from his own life. The defeat of German militarism, which, well, yeah, uh, this was in 33, so he already was predicting the defeat of Hitler, which a lot of people I think could have. Um, The existence of a European Union, um, although he didn't believe aircraft would get flying in before 1950, and he also uh, thought submarines would not be a thing. 
<laughs> so okay. he was I mean, limited in the scope of his. So he probably didn't have a time machine. Because, right. I mean. Yeah. Well, and, I, don't, I don't know because if if you were that far back and you just like say jumped to today, right? I mean, you know, how often do you guys hear about a submarine? Yeah. No. Exactly. Or, you don't hear. Honestly, about them, right? if you depending on where you live, an airplane. Could just be a small bird flying mm, way up right, high. Right. So you, maybe you he know. did have one. Um, he's also, you, Winston Churchill actually was an avid reader, reader of H.G. Wells. Mm. Uh, so he, he loved him and actually used quotes from him in uh, his landmark speech uh, as prime minister where he uses the quote, the gathering storm oh. uh, in reference to Germany. Uh, <laughs> oh. So yeah, so okay. he's, he, even, he even used that. But the thing I want to touch on, I feel like a lot of Dweebers fans are probably miniatures Miniatures players? I don't know, I'm just jumping out on a limb, but there might be a lot of people familiar with miniatures, and I would say he's the father of miniatures. Uh, it says, seeking a more structured way to play war games, Wells also wrote Floor Games in 1911, and followed by the book Little Wars in 1913, which set out the rules for fighting battles with toy soldiers. Wow. Miniatures. So he's the first miniature battle guy. I totally could have used those rules when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved these yeah, with plastic in, army instead of Instead of just yelling <laughs> at my brother or my friends, going, no, I killed him, no. Wow. There would have been rules. Yeah, no, so I did not hit him. I did not do it. I did not hit him. It's bull. I did not do it. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, wow. Let's, oh. There's let's, a mini tavern talk right there. Let's get into the book here. Uh, man, starting out with chapter one. And like you said. Yeah, I, I've, I've touched upon it a little yeah. bit. Uh, we, we, we meet the time travel. We meet the time traveler. Right. Uh, he shows off a scale model of his time machine. Um, and wastes and he, it. Well, I mean, it's it's science. Um, right. Oh, but, yeah. but immediately what we're getting um, is very good gripping descriptions of four dimensions. Right. Which, I've watched this video on YouTube um, of this scientist describing, you know, what the twelfth dimension looks like. Yeah. And I mean, this is the kind of junk I'm into, so this book had me gripped immediately. Right. Right, and the, right the, off the, bat. the part that I think is funny uh, is like that's what what you're saying, Luke. Is the science jumped out at at you? And I'm not sure if this is what he was after. What what I do find odd about this chapter, and I think it speaks to what you're saying, Luke, is what's jumping out to you is the science was not jumping out at to us to us is the names or any of the characters. And see, I think that's brilliant. I oh. think it's brilliant. I think because it's on it's purpose. Not, it's not important. It's not yeah, important. Exactly. It's not yeah. important. We don't need to know that he's a. Doctor Vinnie Boomba, yeah, or whatever yeah, it has. All, I would remember it all. I would remember him as the doctor. So the big thing about this book is this: the the time traveler is never named. He is just the traveler. He's the time traveler. We are the people in the room are called the psychologist, the very young man, the medical man, the silent man. man. Yeah. The only person who I like this is named is Philby, the red haired guy who doubts everything. Right? They named Philby? Mm -hmm. They I named him Philby. I didn't actually right. know that they named him Philby. Which, I just was... which stood out to me because it's like you have this room of people and uh, somebody is lecturing on science. Everybody is just kind of in the shadows, except for maybe the one guy who stands up and throws down and says, No, I think you're full of crap. That's the guy who yeah. gets the spotlight. Oh, it's Philby. And that's the only named person at this beginning. That's point. the only person he remembers. Yeah, yeah, that's the only person the time traveler remembers. Freaking Philby yeah. stood up and ran his mouth. <laughs> but I do I do like this convention of not naming the main character because then you you almost 
shift into the role of being him and in and out. It doesn't burden you with who well, this really, character's name is. If if they if he named the time traveler, there'd be really no point because yeah. once you get past the first, I think chapter or two, I don't remember yeah. how long. They don't really talk about the time traveler. Mm. They. It's well, all first person yeah, it's, until it's the very end. It's all about pertinent information. Right? Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into this too. I do want to point out here, Philby's named. Yeah. And then the only other person who's named is Mrs. Watchit. Yeah, yeah. The maid, the, the maid. Who he has a personal relationship who with. Who he has a personal relationship yeah. with. Looking at the time frame here, this is an English dude thing. This is an Engle, English uh, single scientist thing. Ooh. Because if you think about it, this is also the same time that uh, Doyle's doing the Sherlock story. Right, right. Which has Mrs. Hudson, who uh. is the maid landlady who, want, who wanders through. So that was the first thing that popped oh, into okay. my mind right. with this. Okay. That's that's interesting. I like that. Well, he shows off this tiny version of the time machine because, of course, nobody really believes him. And he's got this tiny version of the time machine that he sends forward in time. Um, a miniature, if you will. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, when this all happens, they're sitting by the fire, and it is described that Philby is the one that speaks from over his shoulder, almost mm-hmm. like he's the, like the denying, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, evil one perched on his shoulder being like, nope, you can't time travel. (laughs) You know? Um, But we're moving on to chapter two. Um, So I like that our narrator describes the time traveler as having a touch of whim, which Mm. I'm getting this idea that he's got this twinkle in his eye. You know, he's the guy, like a magician, who is telling these things. Because it's said that a lot of these people don't really trust him. Like a lot of what he's saying is kind of BS. You know, is what they get off of him. You know, is what they're and, reading and that, off that of That is so accurate. I mean, like... Science is okay. magic in the late 1800s. Well, no, even, even time travel. Time yeah. travel in 2018. Is if I sat down and I told you this can, <laughs> I'm going to make it disappear, but it's going into the future, yeah. you might believe me that it disappears, but you'll probably think it's an illusion. Right, right. Not that I went into the future. Or yeah. that, yeah, you didn't go into the future, you incinerated your dog with the plutonium car. Exactly. Yeah, because I guess we didn't really say it. He sends this tiny time machine in front of their eyes into the future, he says, but they think it's some charlatan's trick. Like, okay, you're just a magician, you're yeah. putting us on. Which, again, I would think that, too. Like, what, you're going to give me a tiny time machine and we go... But there. this is just the test. Come back in a day and I, myself, will time travel. Exactly. So a week later, right, they come back uh, and he comes uh, from the back room and says... He's hungry, he well, eats and some he, food. And he's late. And he's late. I love this intro. This he's intro old. of him because everyone's standing around going, well, we were all invited for mm-hmm. dinner on this day... And then one of them goes, I was told by the time traveler, once again, not naming him, right. that, oh, if, if I'm not back by eight, just start without me or right, seven or right. whatever time. And there's always, there's always the one dude in the back, too, who's like, well, you know, I never turned down a good free meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, man, that's me. <laughs> exactly. So they're all sitting there. And what I like is he comes in, he's all dusty, cut up, disheveled. And the first thing he asks for is wine. Which made me immediately think of the game Arkham Horror, where after uh, after your mind's been blasted by uh, un- unknowable things, you need to get some whiskey. You, you either get <laughs> drunk or you kill your dog. It returns your sanity. Returns Ash your sanity. Ash can pee. Ash can pee. Oh. Killing his dog to gain his sanity. What a game. You, you, uh, usually a game. either before or after my mind's been dusted by unspeakable things, I need a drink. <laughs> well, he, he shows up. He's missing his shoes. He's limping. They he's think dirty. he's been doing an amateur cadger. 
which is like Ooh. if there's anything Ooh. if there's anything that's that dates this book, it's some of these things. An amateur cadger is is like to play the beggar. Okay. So they think he's been out on the street begging. Yeah, there yeah. there are only a few things that really And that's like, one of the only things. It. Yeah. The amateur yeah. cadger, the the use of the He's in T.O. Dash for two day, two yep. nights. The other thing comes up right next where the journalist tries to relieve the tension by telling anecdotes of Hetty Potter, which is okay, like, yeah, I, which I, like they throw out like everybody's going to know who the heck Hetty Potter is. I don't really know who Hetty Potter is. I did look up and on IMDb there was an actress at the turn of the century who was in movies like The Pirate Ship and The Tramp's Dream from you know, 1906. You know, I, I think this Maybe is, it's her. I her think name this is Hetty Potter. Uh, if you're going into like being a writer... To like avoid pop culture references. Yes, because it instant, this instantly dates your dates book. it. Yeah, right. In, in a book that would almost like is almost perfectly out of time. Out of time. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that is the only thing that in some ways cements it to the late eighteen hundreds. Um, and then we uh, he, he shows up. He's dirty. He's missing shoes. He's limping. And they right. think he's in costume. Yes. Yeah. But but he. I must eat. Yeah. And this begins the, the, story. the time traveler's yeah. weird obsession with I must eat first. Yes. He has been gone 80 days. 80? Eight. Eight. I, oh, eight days. Okay, Sorry. Eight. Say, eight. I mean, but yeah. you know what? Eight. That's weird that you said that because I wrote down he spent eight days in the future and then in parentheses I wrote or 80 question mark. Oh, really? Because I read through a bunch of chapters. And you thought 80s. Or 80, yeah. I don't... Yeah. I, you know why it jumped into my mind is because I saw it and I'm like, oh, he's referencing Jules Verne. Around the world in 80 days. days. That's why I thought he'd put... Okay. No, it's just just, just over eight. a week. Me, yeah. and you, me and you are similarly confused. Yes, yes, we are. And I was instantly going, <laughs> oh, because he read that when he was laying in bed with his broken leg. And he's like, I'm going to reference this guy. Um, on um, to chapter three... The Traveler describes his first departure. I love it. It's brilliant, and it sets the standard where I think all time travel television shows, movies have used the conventions set up here. Mm -hmm. This whole yes. idea of the, you know, things getting hazy for the Traveler mm -hmm. and, and people coming in and out of the room, right? But uh, in, and they even, he set it up beforehand, too. Yeah. With his miniature, like, well, if it went to the past, how come we haven't seen it here on the table before? Because it's traveling too fast. Right. It's just, it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that, but that was also how a lot of the other people that weren't named tried to say, well, you can't actually time travel, mm -hmm. but he was like, well, I'm sending it to the future. It'll yeah. Be. So right. that was another way well, to try to get this him. We get this description here, and this is this is a very romantic oh. ideal, as in oh. like as in like romantic gothic yeah. Yeah. Shelley Frankenstein, um, and very, very similar to Shelley's Frankenstein as well, where... We have a description of Shelley gives us a description of the creation. Yeah, but she doesn't tell us anything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Right here, we have this romantic description of the time machine. Yeah. All we know is there's levers and a saddle. It's true. We oh, yeah. really yeah. have again, no again, idea again. what this exactly yeah. looks like. Another thing that dates it is that he calls it a saddle. Right. True. But, you know, one of very few things. What I find uh, interesting, though, is if you look up kind of pictures of the time machine. Isn't it? It's on, almost, your, it's on your book. Yeah. Most. Your hardcover. Oh, uh, no. This is the, it's War of the Worlds that is on the cover of the book. Um, oh. But many, de many depictions actually give it like they're a, all like the actual same. saddle. 
Yeah, it's. I, it's, I, I think even that two thousands movie did. It's ironic yeah. how how similar all of the pictures of. But the do you know what? Like, 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 let's, let's actually like think about it though. At that time, yeah, would it have been easier to fashion a seat or just throw a saddle on something? Right. Yeah. I'm just thinking of this now. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't say. But, seat but I mean, it's not. Saddle. But we're not he overburdened. Probably, he probably meant saddle. Right, right. He we're, probably meant it. We're not overburdened with the. Well, it's eight and a half by four feet, and it's two feet high I off agree. the ground, and yeah. it goes over Your here, and there's fifteen things over here, and there's a big fan on the back, and yeah. no, it's just it's got levers and a saddle. Make That's it, all you need make to know. Yourself. That's yeah, all yeah, you need yeah, to know. And there's rods somewhere. Yeah. But I, but I like that because I what I like is it gives you like you said club only what you need to know because if you over describe things then you run the risk of it not seeming real for sure oh you exactly know, absolutely if you start ta- talking about the warp coil and how it works that's gonna get dated and yeah. this, sorry this shows exactly why this is so good still where it is just everybody knows what a lever is pretty much everything has a lever and a saddle okay mm-hmm. something you sit in it is. No matter what time period you're in, you can create that time traveling yeah, machine. Is he brilliant or is he lucky? Yeah, that's he true. Picked those things. I I think he's brilliant uh, because I do know that uh, upon reading, I know I had a time machine. No, no, but no, but I think I think he's brilliant in that uh, he had studied and I can't remember. I it popped up when I was reading that he believed in his writing. This idea of only giving the reader enough information for and that's, that, that's that, that, that they create, like you said, Claude, <laughs> everything else they create. And that's what has kept this timeless, I feel, is that yeah. things aren't over-described in any way. Mm. But if you've ever wondered why Dungeons & Dweebs goes for three hours, it's because we've talked about a saddle <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> that is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we, what do a, we say every a time? A saddle and... Oh, this, and this, oh this it's free. Oh, oh this will be a short one. Yeah, yeah we always and say And somewhere this. on here, because this is what I what I envision too, is you know you have the saddle, you have the little <laughs> control board with the rods, which as soon as they talked about that, I immediately went to the uh, Kryptonian rods that are in the... Uh, in the palace of, or in the uh, fortress of solitude, and super. Oh yeah, that's I, yeah, I did see. Yeah, I, I agree. Agree. But anyway, he slips through the vapor, which I love it. Again, if you're talking about ro- yeah, I, romance, that's how he's. You as know. long as we're dungeons and dweebing it, uh, I, I do have to talk about what kind of leather was the saddle made of. No. <laughs> was it horse? Well, no, uh, the the description of time travel, the feeling of dread, like you're falling. Yeah. Which yeah. is super. Like, I mean. Just to think about falling as a feeling of dread, yeah, right? Because you you're just not used to it. Oh yeah, well, and because and you're, you're you're anchored to the ground just as you are anchored to this point in time. Oh, so it would be a feeling oh, of dread. I love. That. And as you're yeah, moving as you're moving that. through our you know our space dimension here, yeah. You know, think of the the effect that G forces have on the body. Right. As you're moving that Ooh. fast, yeah. who know who That's knows what good. the force as you're moving that fast through the through right. the time dimension here has right. on the human body. Yeah. Right. I, he does eventually get used to it, just as I would assume, like a, a skydiver would get used to falling. Right. Exactly. Uh, and ends up what, actually what I wrote down, <laughs> and I, I feel really dumb. I'm gonna read this out loud. He ends up in the year two hundred and three thousand ish. 
I'm only off by five hundred thousand years, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, eight hundred. Uh, yeah, the way it was written confused mm, me a little. But he bit. stopped yeah. a couple times. He did stop a couple he times. Did, on his he way did. He did. Yeah, yeah. But so we, but we end up like eight. We'll we'll shorten it down to eight hundred thousand. AD ish AD. I love the description here too, as he's going through and he's talking about day and night and day and yeah. night and yeah. then eventually it accelerates and eventually the constant gray because he's going too fast to have right. it be day and night. It'd be like a strobe light constant right. dance party. I like that he even uh, references I can't remember if it's here but as he's traveling that he's worried about you know if something arises where the time machine is sitting. Yeah. Like that arriving inside of something. Yeah like if he stops the time machine and they've built a wall <laughs> like he'll arrive halfway through a wall. Playing, you know? playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, <laughs> and being a wizard uh, dimension dooring into something is very bad. <laughs> it's a very bad. Your thing. atoms arriving inside of other atoms right. will wreck you. Will wreck you. In, in a game, anyway. In real life, I feel like there would be. I, I don't know what. Well, think about a- that. Atoms arriving inside of other atoms. Is that I mean, like theoretically? Atom yeah. Yes. Theoretically, it's just a. Bu- there's a bunch of space. Theoretically, <laughs> if you are con- if you constantly walk against a wall within a thousand years, the space between your atoms, you will be able to slip through. That's that's. Yeah. According yeah. to theory, you will eventually be able to go through the wall if you can do it for like a thousand or two thousand. So years. you'll be able to slip like a vapor through the interstices it's of intervening so substances. So hold this pen in my mouth. Exactly. Come back in a thousand years, boys. I'm gonna bite through this. Okay, so we end up at the end of this three sentences. <laughs> but it's time travel, man. You gotta talk yeah, about that. Yeah, for, for sure. If, if there's yeah. one justified Dungeons and Dweebs rant, rant, it's this, this is one. It. This is yes. it. You have to talk. You have to talk a little theory, and you have to I, definitely. And, and uh, again, going back to the imagery here, where you you can you can see it. Well, we'll we'll be coming up to it again at the end when the, my favorite stuff comes in. He actually mm-hmm. forward, goes forward again. Um, but we end up in front of this great white winged sphinx like statue mm-hmm. um, on a bronze pedestal. On a bronze pedestal, which a is very important. A place in England. Yeah, um, I like that he's scared that mankind may have turned degenerate and violent. Uh, and so he tries to upright the machine because I love this. He shows up and the machine just flips him off and he goes flying. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Again, yeah. who knows what inertia you have traveling uh, yeah. through time. It's just great. Even the time traveler does not know. Yeah. And so you get this immediate sense of dread, like, oh gosh, what has he just gotten into? And these men are running towards him. One emerges. Well, he, he's only four feet high. He's wearing a purple tunic and sandals. A bunch of stupid, almost genderless people. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm going to throw out here when Thor lands on the garbage planet in Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the locals come bumbling over to him. Yeah, Where right. Is this guy? Right, right. Um, so the creatures uh, in Chapter 4 gather around our hero, uh, and he's worried that the time machine might be activated, which I love. I love that there's this real world thought of like, oh, hey, yeah. oh gosh, the first thing you're going to think of is these guys might activate this time machine, flip it into the next century, and I'll be without the oh, time yeah, machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of these little dum-dums might just yeah, like, yeah. pop up there yeah. accidentally yank it back into the past. Right. Because like, if it goes in the future, maybe like maybe they only go so far. He has to right. wait a couple of years to get it back. But 
yanking in the past, dude, you're screwed. Right. So he just goes back and does the simplest thing. He just unscrews a couple of the levers and yeah. we're good. Which I'm telling you, if this were made nowadays, nobody would have ever thought to have Oh, no, I, I was, he takes I the was keys. still nervous. Yeah. I was still nervous. Yeah. He takes the keys. He yeah, takes, he the, takes keys. the keys out. <laughs> he takes the keys so the kids won't drive away in the car. <laughs> right, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, he unscrews a couple levers, grabs a couple of the rods, and like I said, I, it's the Fortress of Solitude where he's just grabbing, he's grabbing the rods out and walks right. away. Puts them in his we'll pocket. Work, we'll work work maybe it's just because this book is called The Time Machine yeah. that I know. Don't let that thing out of your sight. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, but we're introduced to a world that is a utopia. I mean, he lands in a utopia. Although these these people are backward, and and that becomes more apparent as we go along. But as he first meets them, he the language is sweet and liquid. Yeah. He Coos. says, "Yeah, um, there's flowers everywhere." And what I love is he makes a big point about calling the flowers rhododendrons, which. Yeah. Um, Rhododendrons are these, they'll, if they grow all together, they're very large and bushy, and they're just a giant flower that are like pinks and purples. It would look like Star Trek. Like, it's a Star Trek set, is basically what he's describing. He Star Trek. Yeah. Or Star Trek. Wasn't there, wasn't there, him, yeah. Wasn't there these some giant pink flowers everywhere? Wasn't there some reference to the flowers around his house earlier when the, oh, house, yeah. when the house was disappearing around him? Oh. And the house was crumbling around him when he was going through time, and he made some comment about his flowers. Out Maybe the they did. I don't know. I guess. And I, I saw that. this as like the mutated, like he's seeing the mutation of his own flower. The rhododendrons that grew around his house because rhododendrons <laughs> because rhododendrons have no business being in London. Yeah. Right. Oh. So that's interesting. I like Good that. Good. Well, call. they also talked. He also talked about how it was a lot warmer. Mm-hmm. In this oh, area yeah. too, so something I don't know if it was in this chapter. Well, but I and remember later, reading that. Well, yeah, it talks about the climate. He talks about going on his hike later and finding that it's been long enough that mm-hmm. the Thames is now in a different spot, which yeah. is really what it actually, would yeah, do. We, right? we could actually we could just kind of fast forward through that. Um, yeah, yeah. He he does. He speculates about how humanity came to be uh, through decadence. Right. This stupid, um, simple folk. Who all yeah. they all they do is eat and right. bang. He he talks about there's this watch it, the Kardashians. Yeah, there's this total lack of interest in their eyes about anything, mm-hmm. right? And they take them all laughing and covered with flowers to their hall. Well, Finds yeah, out they're he, all they're all vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> there's no horses. There's no cattle. There's no sheep. Dogs are all uh, and for being sheep, dogs are all as extinct. I, 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 that's, that's the only thing I would fault him for is mankind would always keep around a pet. <laughs> yeah, the dogs would be around. Yeah, yeah they would. Dog, mankind will go. Vegetarian, dogs. I would totally understand just due to climate change and everything that's yeah. going on these days. Yeah. So, like, I totally bought that. Until, until you become so vapid and self-centered that you're not caring that for anything. That could be. That could be. That's, that's, that's they a did, very good point. Very he important. did make a good point where all of the people that he ran into were almost like children. Where he yes. said... Oh, they're they, tiny. They're tiny, but also, mentally, they were... So much just, oh, you lit a match. Okay, the match is done. I'm going somewhere else. Oh, I'm, do- I'm bored with you. I'm going to go do this. I'm yeah, laughing, he can, laughing. He can, he's trying to figure out their language. Yeah, he he's can't having get the, get the time of day from that. He's, yeah, he's having such a tough time f- 
like con- even figuring out their language because everything is so monosyllabic. Right. And I love his description of this society. It says, It seemed to me that I had happened upon humanity upon the wane. The ruddy mm. sunset set me thinking of the sunset of mankind. For the first time, I began to realize an odd consequence of the societal effort in which we are at present engaged. Um, or social effort. I love this idea because what he, what he paints is this it's a Darwinian idea mm-hmm. of survival of the fittest yeah. that that society has removed from it all discomfort, all 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 the things that we struggle against, all disease, all everything has been eradicated from society. So society f- has nothing left that's spurring it forward. It has eliminated the threats. Yeah. So what happens? You get no more strong people right. when there are no more threats. Just right. as you would get no more smart people right. when there is no no need. Right. And he that. starts society it, has atrophied, which I yeah. which I just I I love the idea the of kind flaw. of saying of kind of saying and, and it's not it's not a thing that would necessarily you, have humans are building themselves to fail. Right, because Basically. our constant struggle in humanity is we want a more comfortable existence, yeah. we want to eradicate disease, we want to take care of suffering, we don't want suffering, we don't want anybody to hurt, but when all of that is removed from a society, society enters this, this stage of just like... Communist paradise. A communist paradise, yeah. right? With, with, with no danger, we don't really need families, so therefore we can all just live in peace with each other. Right. We all kind of look alike. He's having a very hard time distinguishing gender of these little people. Right, right. And then he makes the realization here of, there's no old people. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah. which is never brought up again, no. uh, really. Uh, and by it, I think is. we're here to assume the Morlocks have something to do it, with well, that. Yes, we will get yeah. there. It is, yes. Yeah. And I like the fact that he goes, that he's talking about this and he's, because again, we go back to the story within the story. He's not actually there right now. He's telling the story to the other guys in the smoking room in his house when he comes back. And so he makes the comment at the end of the chapter here about this was beautiful and it was wonderful. And I had all these great theories about the socialist aspects of how human beings could live together. Oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't have been more wrong I agree. in my initial theory. Which, which I love because, again, and this is where I read him wrong because I love his statement. We are kept keen on the grindstone of pain and necessity. And it seemed to me that here was that hateful grindstone broken at last. I love it. I love it. And it's very Darwinian. So that's why. But I- then we're told at the end, but I read this all wrong. You know, and so that's where that's where it confused me because mm-hmm. he was a person who was sympathetic to both socialism. I wouldn't say necessarily communism. And so at first, I'm like, well, he if that's true, he is just kind of lambasting that idea, mm-hmm. right? He was very much a progressive who was who was working towards like socialistic ideas, and yet he's saying like. Almost like class system and Darwinian mm. uh, pressures are necessary for society. It almost seemed like he was writing against what his own beliefs were. Hmm. But see, then he does say that's not the correct read necessarily on this. Yeah, and see, that's where it's when 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 I teach about socialism, right. and I talk and I I do that in my in my other walk of life. Um, with all that, I the ideas are great, and I think right. he realizes here that. If this was it, if it was just the Eloys, and this was just his initial impression of just the Eloys, right. all that was there, 
we made it. We made it. We were able to do it. The problem is, it there's, kill- al- there's always an asshole. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> there's a whole tribe of them living underneath the ground. Well, yeah, that's. Uh, but right. that's that's that's. But it also, I wouldn't call them that. I would call them the uprising. That's what yeah, I would yeah. describe. But at the as. same time, though, this utopia has killed all. Yeah. All desire to create or to improve themselves it's because just, there's nothing to be improved. It's just status quo. Yeah, yeah they're stagnant. Yeah. They are literally they are just stagnant. They are literally yeah. just sitting stagnant there humans. doing nothing. That is so good. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. why the buildings around them are crumbling. Mm-hmm. And, they have no know, knowledge no. of of how to fix anything or, or what anything even is. It's just like, yeah. hey, this is a rough. I can sleep in here. Right. Okay. But then night falls, <laughs> and man, I'm scared. Uh, the time machine is gone. And already, I have not been with the time traveler long, and already I get that feeling in my gut like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because ti- you know he is stranded in already what is a utopian dystopia, and now his only means of getting home is Oh, gone. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. Th- the way it is, his dread is described, how he freaks out. Yeah, right. I, I, I would He's shaking people, but nobody really cares. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my car? <laughs> right, right. Uh, shaking, shaking a people who have forgotten fear. Right. Well, they who, didn't forget fear. Well, they, they, he, he we're said, just remembering it. I, well, it yeah, that comes back around. He though. said, right, I think in this chapter where uh, at first they would laugh, but then when he got, when he started to get physical, mm. they, they then had that fear in their eyes because right. of the I forget what they're called the the, animal, the Morlocks the, the Morlocks yeah. I mean they the Morlocks physically grabbed people so when he physically grabbed them right. that brought back their oh wait well we were talking about this at the beginning of you know the reason why he took the rods off and why he had flipped it back over you right. know to make sure it's there can you imagine the absolute just sheer horror going yeah. back and going oh my god it's gone yeah it's gone oh my right. god it's gone yeah but he knows where it's gone because he finds the footprints he knows somebody has taken there's it tracks. there's yeah. tracks there's tracks to the garage that's yeah. locked yeah. underneath yeah. the sphinx so the sphinx has a garage underneath it and the door is locked and mm-hmm. so he knows he needs to get into it he just has no way of getting into it because it's these big bronze doors that he can't get and these idiots won't listen to him for two effing seconds. All they want to do is is pretty much just sit around and party and drink yeah. and well, they make love. So they, they don't can't understand him either, though. Yeah. It's like going to a completely different culture and going, "Hey, well, they, they, I'm going to talk to you in my language, and you should understand me." He and they, they don't and, care. And, hey, we're trying to be. Him. We're trying to be. I'm grabbing Luke's shirt yeah. right now. We're trying to be nice, and it's dark, and we don't want to stand up here anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we go now? We're going to go now. You're going to be hurt. We're going like to go now. We can find your toy later. Kids. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't care to understand him. It's not yeah. like if somebody came up to you only speaking French and was freaking out, right. you would try to help them. Right. You don't have like an insufficient attention span. Yeah. Which working with teenagers <laughs> makes me really squirrel believe <laughs> we're that moving this that direction is where the world is going <laughs> oh, yeah I, I agree i work with younger kids going? and i see it yeah going? it is scary yeah, yeah they're yeah. not in charge yet you're not yet not yet no i agree um but anyway as we move through he finds these odd wells that have no he thinks they're wells but they're not they look like wells um that, that was a thing like that didn't build any suspense. No. Because he talked about wells that, like, had an air rushing into them. Yep. 
I'm like, well, obviously there's things underground. Well, he's trying to say that they're they're hollow and and there's machine. He's alluding to the machinery underground it's, that's sucking it, air, it, and there's it, stacks he can see far off, and, and maybe and like say, foreshadowing really. But wasn't, yeah, I agree. It didn't have any kind of scary foreshadowing. What no. had scary foreshadowing for me here? Yeah, was growing up as somebody who is I'm, I'm a camper, I'm an outdoorsman. Right. I spend. I've spent all kinds of time in the middle of the Boundary Waters, middle of Ontario, camping, doing everything else, yep. where you're nowhere near civilization, you're nowhere near doing anything else. For the love of God, stop using your matches. Yeah, right, yeah. He yeah. always yeah. using his matches. Yeah. Every he's, time he's yeah. flicked a match, I'm like, there's no convenient... You can't you get, can't get more, more matches. matches. <laughs> Why are you using matches? Ma- matches are us is not a thing in the year 8,000. Well, and I... And to the point where I was going, like, well, are you... Like, can you not pick anything to light with this match to use as a torch? Uh, you he, know, he like, lit, like, paper on fire once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I he just keeps flicking the matches, and I'm like, stop But he goes down... Well, well we're not getting to going supply. down to the well yet, but he... Let's get to the girl. He rescues this girl from drowning. Her name's Weena. Oh, Weena. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. No, Wait, we, <laughs> I was right there with you. Marlo, Marlo, if you're out there, I'm actually friends with Marlo on Facebook. Marlo, if you ever listen to the podcast, I still remember you as my Weena. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because when we were in the play and I was the time traveler, Mar- okay. there was there's a very nice lady named Marlo Leone now who uh-huh. was Weena. Okay. Well, here's the thing. She was a tiny little. She was a tiny little girl. At the I, time I know from oh, okay. the '60s version that they changed Weena into, of course, a beautiful woman. And I'm sure I don't remember the 2000 something. Uh, they changed her name. They called her like Laura or Lana or something like that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, they have all made like the future versions have made this into because this is a little because this is this is weird. Uh, I don't it's like a little this. <laughs> weird. Like like she is four feet tall, semi. You're saying this because your wife is. 6'2". That, that is true. <laughs> she, no, she's a 6'2 hey, Nordic hey, princess. But, um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, this seems kind of like she, she comes off as a little girl. Is what she comes yeah. off as a kid. Yeah. yeah. He saved yeah, a it's, kid. It's a little rapey. Yeah. And see, I, I, and again, it's from my own experience of going through this and having <laughs> different visions in yeah, my no, head. Yeah, no, I'm 28 and I'm reading this. Which <laughs> <laughs> is rapey. See, I well, he wrote this in his thirties, and he was just about ready to uh, marry his, or he had just gotten done marrying his students. So I don't know. <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> Yikes! I don't think I took it that way. I took it as he went in, he saved a kid, and in my mind, maybe because I, I was reading it, I with, know what you're gonna go with. Yeah, that he didn't do anything. In I my mean, mind, he didn't do anything just because. He went in and saved a kid. When you, if you saved a kid, that kid will naturally be clinging to you. I agree was... that you could go through this entire book and see it as a clingy child that is with you. I, I, I agree with that. But there is some odd points yeah, where, like, yeah, she he, sleeps in uh, the crook of his arm, yes. which could be seen as childlike. No, that that part I was but, a little bit. Eh, but it's, no. it's starting to get a little Michael Jacksony. Like, yeah. like we yes. just would sleep in the same bed and watch yeah. movies. You want some <laughs> Jesus juice? <laughs> like, um, stop it. <laughs> Uh, H.G. No. Wells was not rapey. No, this, this, no, no, H.G. We would know by now. Everybody else who's rapey is coming up, we would know by now. 2018 Dungeons and Dweebs accuses H.G. Wells of being rapey. You stand rapey. accused. <laughs> no, this, this it's not like just... he predicted Jello pudding pops. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh, I... I can't. I... Well, since we're I, gonna... I can't. <laughs> 
that was just how I saw the beginning is just some kid. And I, it was one of those where you definitely saw yeah. the society going because the society, the people that were also there did nothing. Mm-hmm. As, right. as she was drifting away, they sat there and did nothing. And it was like, oh, wow, they right. truly are almost animals. The, right. there, there were, yeah. there were just some descriptions. Um, and it's, I, I, I didn't write it down. I really wish I would have. Um, about him kind of like giving in to Weena's affection. Right. They're, 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 and I think we're going to get to them. It's not explicit, but there is something. And see, I went more with the, and again, my own understand, my own, you know, personal things aside. I went more with the, you know, Dan- with the dances with wolves, the dude who visits mm-hmm. the indigenous tribe and, and right. ends up having a, and ends up having something with one of the people right. from the indigenous right. tribe type deal. No, I do feel where this is where he's almost crossing into what will become the pulp genre, where you have a hero that is you know thrown in you know he's the he's the. You know, he's the Uber man, the Uber Munch, yeah, yeah. Who, who has Uber the, Munch. Yeah, who, oh, yeah, yeah, who has who has some sort of you know lady on his hip or 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 hugging his legs, you know, like like a Star Wars poster. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's interesting you say that because that's exactly the, it's, in the 2002 version of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeremy Irons' character is actually is actually Uber Morlock. Real? What? Really? And his as his character is the leader of the Morlocks. That's his name. Oh, he's Morlock. Uh huh. Weird. Huh. So anyway, uh, the they end the the traveler ends up finding and seeing the Morlocks, and he describes them as being kind of ape like, and their their eyes are large mm. and bulbous, and so you get this really, uh, you know, you kind of. He even describes kind of I, I believe kind of the idea of like nocturnal creatures, you know. Well and he goes he goes into the science. He goes into yeah. their eyes are bulbous. Well oh god, of course they're bulbous because they live underground and yeah, have yeah. to see in the dark. He's the guy's and a, so they've evolved to, to this right. sort Wells of Wells is a zoologist and so he does I, this is a, a, a his strong point, I I feel, is when he's very can very quickly describe uh, creatures with of very little detail, and yet mm. they make a big impression. On exactly. Your mind. They, uh, again, they make a big yeah. impression. We're given just the those little details, and then you can grab what you want. Yeah. I do. I like how once you see the, I keep forgetting what they're all, what they're called. The Morlocks. The Morlocks. The Morlocks. Warlock, but Morlock. Yeah. Uh, the Morlocks. I like how he immediately changes how he thought society evolved. Mm-hmm. Once he sees them, it goes from the, okay, we evolved into that, you know, the basically stagnant, mm. to now, oh, there's a class system yeah. again. He, yes. he immediately, as more evidence arrives, mm. he changes his hypothesis. Well, what and, I, but he changes his hypothesis, hypothesis as a socialist. Yes, yes he exactly as a socialist would, because all of a sudden now the Eloy in his mind had become the rich people living above ground, right. uh, living their life on the backs of the masses that are stuck underground. Right. And what 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 I love here is again, like great science fiction, he is making social commentary for the time, and he's doing it in a way that will be accessible by all. Yeah. So if you are, a, wait, if wait a minute, where did all their clothes come yeah. from? Yeah. So if you are like a big time capitalist, mm. right? You could read his book and at first it's feeding totally into what you think. Oh yeah, all the stuff the progressives are pushing for will lead to this decadent society that has mm. no, you know, drive anymore. And then if you're reading it as a 
progressive socialist at the time, then you're like, oh, no, 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 that was the wrong read. This is all about the struggle between labor and capitalists. And, the you know, the labor, the, the laborers have gone underground, which and even that, though, then turns out to be wrong. Correct. You know, and you look at it, too. And this is the this is the 1800s that yep. he's writing. This oh, yeah. In. This is the numerous industrial revolutions that have rolled through the West mm -hmm. on through, you know, cities and child labor. And, you know, you get the children to climb into the machines to right. fix them because they have small hands and can do that. And right. If they die, we'll get another kid. Right. And, you know, you go in this whole industrial complex and this yep. whole. So immediately when we find out where the Morlocks are, he changes that narrative to go to that industrial complex. Oh, on the backs of the working people, and yeah. you're, you're you're hurting the people by doing this, and that's why this had to have happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. I and, Not and necessarily, I, but I understand where he was going. Yeah. Right. And I love this. And let's let's follow it through to the end. So we while we're mm -hmm. talking about society, let's go to what he finally comes up. The reality of the situation, right, is that the Moorlocks are pretty much farming out those on the surface, keeping oh. them, creating clothes for them, and keeping them in perfect comfort, and then eat them on the side. It's the, the Elu or... Uh, Eloy. Eloy. I'm bad with their names. You're okay. You're okay. Uh, the Eloy are the cattle. They mm -hmm. are... Cattle. Cattle. It, the I could see the clothes, mm -hmm. the color of their clothes could be like how our cattle are marked. Is it bad? Well, he's as he's climbing through the tunnels and he gets like the one quick uh, match shot of the table and he's like, oh, there's some meat over there. Somebody must and still that, eat that thing and was like, like That was gross. And then well, like two minutes later, he's like, oh, oh my God, that's what was on that I, I don't. I feel like it was too many pages later, like, oh, there was some weird, that wasn't some weird bent joint of meat on the table. Like, well, clearly it's an Eloy. Yeah, like, yeah, right. I mean, it's... Which explains our... Um, previous statement about, oh, look, there's no old people. Right. Yep. Wait, is it bad that all I could hear was Aerosmith's Eat the Rich? The whole time that, that was, Eat the Rich. Um, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. A little, a little bit. But again, we get to this idea that I love. That What's great about science fiction is being able to push or, or at least tease your mind with an idea mm -hmm. without it, regardless of your own politics, and make you think about it. You know, that's, I think, what great science fiction does. And that's what this is saying, that class struggle idea that almost both sides have have drifted to where mm -hmm. the working class in those cramped factories who at some point were moved underground mm -hmm. and that they kept being treated like animals, you know, and then the rich in decadence and, and that whole thing that happens between them is kind of brilliant. You know, it would allow everybody in the late 1800s to step back from their positions mm -hmm. and reassess what yeah. they think. So he has, and, it's a great, and it's a great human commentary too here, I think too, because it would be very easy for somebody in HG Wells's position to go, Oh, the, you know, the Eloy, they're the docile society, and so they're the vegetarians, and yeah. they get along with each other, and the big baddies are the meat eaters. Right, Because yeah. the meat eaters are bad. But what's the first thing he does when he gets back, when he gets back to his own time? Thank yeah, God. He eats, I eat meat. some meat. Yeah, so right. who are we really closer to right. as human beings? But what I love is how he flips the narrative. The the evil ones in this are the working class, which is what he would have probably championed his entire life for. Yeah. is the working class and pro the pro progressive ideas to bring the working class out of those conditions, you know? But at the same time, he is he's the, almost... The tables it. have turned. The That's tables all. are That's turned, it. yeah. I think, I think he talk, when he's talking about the conditions that they live in, 
he, I think it also does champion a little bit for him. He says that because of the conditions they live in, yeah. it has been totally changed. Yeah, it's like, like if we treat this entire group of people as animals, animals they will become. And you rich think that you're going to you know, live on the backs of them. Well, you will become mm-hmm. this small in stature. I think that's almost even a play on their ego. Oh, exactly. Like yeah. you think you're so big now on top of everything, pompous with all your clothes, you will become this docile, sexless mm-hmm stupid race. And eventually you become the cattle. And eventually you become the cattle being eaten by the monsters you created. Correct. You know, which I love. I, I, this is the kind of commentary that science fiction does best. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not space opera. This is this is co- true hard-hitting social commentary. Oh, exactly, has, which I love. He has discovered why the Eloi are afraid of the dark. He knows where his time machine is. Right. He runs, he escapes... And he kind of spends some time kind of developing a plan a little bit, Um, spending time with Eloy, um, venturing off, you know, when it's safe, finds the green porcelain tower. Right, because he's got underground scene that they use the machineries and all this. Yeah, wasted the rest of his matches. Wasted the rest of his matches. What I love is this is right where we need it, because this is a very short book. Um, He's timed this out perfectly, I think. Right when we need... That, okay, I'm looking around this world in wonderment, taking it all in, learning about the societies. Okay, now it's time for action. And this is where he's going to turn to like, okay, I'm kind of the biggest guy on the block here. It's time for me to take action. All right, we're on to chapter six. Hey, the traveler decides it's time to fight. And that's what I like. But he, he, mm. needs, to, he needs to get... He does it like the scientist he is. Yeah, he's like, I need resources. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I've, I've explored all of this, but I see this structure in the distance. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will hold the key to what I need to uh, to find the time machine or get into the so sphinx's th- th- underbelly. Yeah, this uh, palace of green porcelain. Yes. I, for, I, I, I'm just thinking, like, Statue of Liberty, it was made of copper. Mm-hmm. It's um, oxidized copper. It's yep. turned green. This once grand palace across the valley now of the Thames. Yeah. Oh. Um, I like where you're going with this. And this description of the palace of green porcelain. And he's got to go here to, this is his mission, as he is this traveler in a new world who's got to travel to this palace of green porcelain. Much like a book that was published five years later by a guy named L. Frank Baum about a traveler in another world who has to go to an emerald city. Ah. Wizard, mini Wizard of Oz right here. I like with her no. with a little dog Toto, little dog Weena. Exactly. <laughs> the original Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Exactly. The time but instead of in a flower basket, she's shoving flowers in his basket or yes. his little pocket. In his pocket. <laughs> but yes, I, I, and that's completely what I saw here. And so I, had, I did look up the I dates. Like uh, Wizard of Oz was published in 1900. Right. Okay. First, and so it's I, it's this is a direct reference. This yeah. is L. Frank Baum who had read H. G. Wells and went, I kind of like the idea of the Palace of Green Porcelain. All right. Yeah. And of course, the time period here, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. There's a ton of mysticism about the East and jade and all. Of right. This right. Other right. Stuff right. The, as well, the Orient in quotes, right, is uh, is mm. very a very big mm-hmm. thing. But yes, we are on our way <laughs> to the Emerald City. Still is. Yeah. Is there, is there a yellow book road though? Through, through a valley of flowers. 
<laughs> much oh, like no. the Valley of Sleeping Flowers in The Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, yeah. I do like there that because there are people. There are people. Okay. There are people who have this giant cockamamie theory uh, about about The Wizard of Oz and how it all has to do with capitalism and everything else. But it's really not substantiated by anything Baum ever said. I mean, he was pretty much just. Telling this story to mm-hmm. wasn't it like a sickly niece or something like oh, that yeah. that he'd he'd tell this story to. So I feel like they're just reading into. But 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 it is it is these archetypes. It is these right. archetypes of the time. I like your take on it. Of, somebody you know, who's into fantasy travelers read this and is referencing. He's it. just a copycat. That's, <laughs> what, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Except there's no Tin Men in here. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, all right. I'm gonna do this. Well, I'm gonna do well. this story. But I'm gonna add Tin Men. I'm gonna. <laughs> Well, you have um, the scarecrow who doesn't have a this brain. Is the part, have this is the part in my note that he resolves first to climb down the well and he kisses little Weena. <laughs> That's in my notes where I put, are they sleeping together? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's like, you know, reading through it up to this, up till this point, I was kind of like, uh, it's just like a little kid. And then it was like, oh. It's the way uh, he constantly describes her with such affection. I feel like he brings you right up to the boot scene moment and then leaves you there. Kind of like... Well, so if you, shoes. Yeah, so like if you he want no to... Boots. If you want to, you can read in what you want. And I feel that in some ways he's playing to the base men's fantasy that this yeah. that this is going on. Which I would understand if he was there for more than eight days. Yeah, like this is happening really good. But this is H.G. Wells. You got real... I'm pretty sure oh, he yeah, operated okay, a far okay, less than... He's, okay. been, he's been lonely for a while. Yeah. The time traveler's been lonely in his workshop for a while. But he is not an amorous man. Yes. <laughs> and oh, I, and dear, Weena. I'm, I'm going to make random obscure references here. There's a great Bowling for Soup song about his dog called My Weena that would be wonderful to be playing here as well. What? What? <laughs> That's awesome. Bowling for Soup. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> I told you I might get a little pretentious. Here. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Bowling for soup. Not pretentious. Not pretentious. <laughs> um. So the, yeah, they. This is where he finds that red meat we've already talked yeah, about. Yeah, the yeah, the Morlocks advance on him. Who cares? Yeah, like, we, we've known this since yeah. we first read about mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, so chapter seven, wait, waking up with little hands on him. Yeah, really, it, it is disturbing, mm-hmm. but and I like it. But chapter seven, it is a new moon, uh, and our traveler fears the darkness will bring more Morlocks. So he takes Weena, and heads for the uh, the palace of green porcelain. Mm, yeah, well, he so. starts using his brain, the thing that the. Elu, I always want to call him the wrong name every time. The Elu? I don't know. I know it starts with an E and it has an L. He's only it. read it like six hours ago. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. Eloy. 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 The Eloy. <laughs> I finished reading this a week ago. And he, do, he does do a description here too, um, where he talks about how the sun and the moon are in the wrong place. I love this. I have wrong this in my place. notes too. Yeah. Yeah. That he contemplated the stars and how they shifted. Mm. Uh, you know, which which would have happened in this time because I yeah. immediately I was like, okay, so how long has this been? Yep. No, yep. there would okay. be. It's, definite. it's been a long eight hundred thousand years. Yes. And that's and that's the reason for the global mm. warming. <laughs> exactly. Mm. There you go. Well, um, it's a solar expansion. Um, they. I. 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 I do like you know they have to sneak. Um, you have to be very careful about how they get to the Palace of Green right. Porcelain. Um, you know, staying out when it's light, starting a fire. Well, he uses uh, his brain. He, yeah, and he doesn't the, He doesn't sleep for a lot of yeah, this. Yeah, the thing yep. that the people don't have is he, he uses his brain and thinks, oh, we travel, at, we travel mm-hmm. during the day. At night, 
I have to stay awake because Weena will fall asleep, and mm, no matter right. what, when she gets tired, right. she'll just fall asleep. I have to stay awake until I have some sort of way to defend. But myself. what I love is this is the pivot point. If you look, mm-hmm. all those last chapters five, six, seven, they're all really long. They describe a lot really, about yeah, the Eloy are. and everything. Yeah. And this is where the pacing picks up. All the chapters get condensed. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're going downhill. All of that shifts. I love that is carrying. that he has set up this entire idea of fear and helplessness, and now all of a sudden we're changing to direction and purpose and goal. Mm-hmm. And that's you know I love that it, it drives the rest of this narrative to. to End. And I love the jump back here at the end of chapter seven, where we jump back to his house with the dudes around him as he's telling the story. Mm-hmm. He gets up, goes back to his jacket where he left it, grabs a couple mm-hmm. flowers on the jacket, right. sets them on the table, goes, "Oh yeah, we had flowers." Sets the tables on the flat or sets the flowers on the table, and then goes right back into the story. The story except yeah. we get a couple snippets of the other guys in the room going, "Wait, wait, wait, whoa, 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 yeah. what? What, what are, are these? these? What are these flowers?" Because <laughs> Weena had been stuffing these in his pockets. Right? Right, which but again, it, we're reminded that this is all the story within the story. Right, exactly. Um, all right, so we get on to chapter 8. Uh, he arrives with Weena at the Palace of Green Porcelain. Mm-hmm. He finds out it's a museum. And again, like any true zoologist, we're going to spend some time looking at fossils. Of course. So there's some fossils in here. I, I, I like it, though. Yeah, you know, something right. that probably could have been super boring. Right. Wasn't. So something i got to bring up here. Uh, that I think is weird, and it was called out to me here because I'm reading it, and it says, Weena is playing with a sea urchin down the side of the display, uh, of a display. Like, mm-hmm. she's got this sea urchin, and I'm visualizing she's rolling it up and down or something like that. And then earlier in the book, he had awoken from a dream that there was sea urchins on his face. Right? Wasn't there something yeah, about some sea urchin? Sort of, yeah, some sort of obsession with the sea urchin. So what's up with the sea urchin? And yeah, I, I tried to look this up. I was like, H.G. Wells, sea urchin. I'll, I don't know. If, I know Darwin had a lot of things to say about sea urchins mm. and didn't even do some studying of urchins or something for a while. So I don't know if this is just kind of callbacks to his zoology days did he i don't know if he had some sort of particular fascination with the sea urchin i do know the sea urchin is extremely um resilient and so is he trying to say out of everything that's changed here's the sea urchin which still exists and i kind of feel like he may be describing a sea urchin at the end of this book that football Ooh, thing yeah. Yeah, that is yes. rolling around uh, like an evolved sea urchin is rolling around at the very end i mean i understand what you're saying but i don't know that i like it <laughs> yeah, I don't, and I don't even know. It's so it's so obscure mm-hmm. that I don't know what's going on with the well, sea urchin. Go- so, listeners, if anybody knows what's going on with the sea urchin, uh, and, let us know. And so he's walking he's walking through the museum here, and he's finding these different things mm-hmm. that are different fossils. Some he recognizes, some he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, different pieces. He uh, finds some giant hull of machinery as mm-hmm. he's going through this yep. as well. I Pierce Brown. <laughs> Ooh. Was this Quicksilver's museum? Uh, <laughs> right on. Oh, I like that. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that he grabs this old mace. No, we're on Earth. We're on Earth. Yeah, we are. On- uh, I- ideologically. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. I love that he grabs this old mace because he's willing to bash some skulls in. I mean, I like this guy. That that I like, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you've been in the woods. You had to walk through the woods, didn't he, for this? Did yes, he? yes. Grab a big stick. Yeah, you just grab yes, a big stick and bash somebody over. Yes, but this is a yeah, mace. Yeah, yeah, yes, but metal is metal is tougher. The industrial the industrialized yeah. world may be tougher than nature. It is, but I'm saying yeah. like he's been worried about not having a weapon for so long. 
Yeah. You could have easily. Yeah, I would have had a club. Yeah, yeah, right. You would have yeah. had a club. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some levers he took off the machine. Um, they, from what yeah. it sounded like, the levers that he took off were small. Like when they said a lever, he took the lever and like put it in his pocket. So I wasn't thinking a huge lever. Right. But I was thinking I, this was some sort of like thing that a lot of these things were. Well, maybe I I haven't I wasn't able to beat the doors open with a rock. Right. Maybe I can yeah. pry them with yeah. this. But metal. this is this is where I go back to seeing this as like some late eighteen hundreds. Um, you know. Uh, I don't know. Nar- not narcissism is the wrong word, but like where they he he believes like kind of the eighteen hundreds. Hey, we're maybe at the pinnacle of society here because this is like again that Uberman. She's he's standing there with a mace in one hand and Weena in the other. It's like a Conan painting. There she is, just draped around his feet. He's standing yeah. on the steps of a <laughs> of the green, palace of green porcelain okay. uh, with a mace in a hand, holding it high, ready to. Uh, kill off all of these, you know, Morlocks. And but. I, why didn't you stay in the museum? I understand that there are st- yeah. there are people running around the museum, but they ran. He goes into the woods for the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he do- he doesn't need to rush back to the time machine. Yeah, but he does. He finds more matches I, I, though. I, yeah, I, I do understand wanting to get back to it as soon as possible. Right, right, and I feel like that's what we're led to believe is that almost like his judgment is clouded because mm. his okay, desire yeah, to yeah, get yeah. the time machine. Yeah, and so I, I, when you say that, you know, if you do get into the um, his sort of like manic obsession with get, well, I mean, I, I should say manic rational yeah. fear of needing to get back to the present. Right. I, yeah, okay. Maybe. I get that. But no, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you hole up here for the night? No, I have to get back now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, he and Wina go running into the woods. He goes, well, I'll keep the Morlocks away. I'll light a large fire. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> I haven't slept in two days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that falls asleep. Which they, he does say that I mean, he writes it off as not realizing that he fell asleep. Yeah. Like, it was an accident, kind of. I mean, he was just so exhausted. But I love that when he finds more matches in Celebration, he does a dance. <laughs> well, he does a dance, and doesn't he waste a few matches to have Weena dance too? Uh, I, or something I, like, I have, I found him. Well, let me strike him. Uh, like, well, he doesn't care because he found that bottle of camphor. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so he's going to use that, uh, which I like. It's like he's got a Molotov cocktail ready to go. Um, he finds some weapons, but uh, again, I feel like I would have probably, if you're in a museum, I would have taken some more time to develop some weapons yeah, but that's not what this book is about so it doesn't matter all he cares about is grabbing the crowbar that he can get back into get the time machine you know I, which I guess I like this is not going to turn into a, a long drawn out novel where now he's going to like you said Luke hole up fight you know this could turn into a really extended portion where he's using things from the museum to fight off well, Morlocks and I think this is a huge commenta- commentary for humanity here too is he just wants to get back to his time machine and get yeah. the rock on it. Yeah, right. He's exactly. not. He's not here to liberate the Eloys. He's not here to change society. He's not here to do it. Ah, uh, right. this has been cool and all, but I got a jet. Right. And I like. No, no, but that, that, that's totally like um, justified. I mean, yeah. Go home. You don't belong here in the first place. Right. Right. Like that. 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 That, that totally makes sense. I get uh, it. Oh, it does. It totally makes sense. But I could see how. But I very much see how with, and again, with other fiction and with other, well, certain things in real life as well, falling into that trope of, well, I have to, you know, I have to help this society that I found. I have right, to, right. you know, liberate them from their oppressors. Well, he is I have not to be, going I have to John Carter this. Yeah, I agree. And he's even fallen in love with Weena. Doesn't care. 
like luckily enough our author kills her off mm-hmm. yes. so it doesn't become any kind of baggage where he wants to bring her back because that would set up a moral problem where okay you're it's kind of, a paradox. of yeah yeah but it sets up where okay you've kind of met this girl and we're kind of supposed to have determined there's a lot some sort of love relationship or attraction but what are you going to do you're just going to leave her with the morlocks to be eaten so you you have to kill her i do mm-hmm. like how he is slightly conflicted but his his main confliction is the main reason that i like the elo elu eloy now you're just faking what? it <laughs> that one are you, are you trying to, are you thinking of lilu from I don't, uh, I don't but the eloy the eloy is I love because the main reason that he's Same. the main reason he's looking towards the eloy is they look human that is why he says right. he likes them is they're kind of human the other ones no they're not human not at all, at all. Right. so that is the main reason why he has affection towards them is like eh, you're kind of human so he falls right. asleep with Weena in the in the woods with the fire going right. and he then, awakens <laughs> to hands on him again which is yeah. It, it, there must be some in- imagery there to keep waking up with numerous hands on him. Thing, different things are on him always when he awakes. <laughs> so I don't. But I, it's Hot. kind of a it's kind of a disgusting. Uh, it's a disgusting description. He talks about how their softness is repellent, and because they're so nocturnal and have these bulbous eyes, you get this impression of this white, fleshy. Moist, oh, like mm, soft skin. Like, it's just like, disgusting. What's the what's, what's the word I'm thinking? Of? Um, uh, starts with an A. Um, abalone. Amorphous. Uh, <laughs> baloney. Yes. Um, <laughs> go on. Move on. <laughs> it's just. It's I, like I, I a giant picture, abalone with eyes. I do picture like, that. Like you're missing blood. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, anemic. Anemic, yes. Anemic oh, hands. okay. There we go. I have a picture too of the small little bit of skin that, from the descriptions they get that the small little bit of skin that you can still see on the Morlocks is just that that horrible, sickening fish white. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. White translucent. But this yeah, is like ugh. like like if you touch it a little bit, it's a little squishy too. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, oh, thank you. No, I just poked Luke for the listeners, by the way. Too. <laughs> right. Sorry. But I, I like he. No, no. He thinks he's. <laughs> He thinks he's going to die here. So he grabs his crowbar crowbar, and he's going to make them pay for their meal. Um, but all of a sudden he's saved by the fire he started back down the way has caught up with them in a forest fire. I don't know. I missed him lighting this first fire. When yeah, did that happen? Uh, that the, happened the, uh, before he fell asleep. Yeah, that was like right when he that fell was, asleep. I'll light, this, I'll, I'll light this fire in the dry tinder here to protect us during the night because the Morlocks won't come towards the light. Well, see, that's how I got is that he's, I got that he lit this fire and then fell asleep next to it. And then when this part happens, I got that he was away from the fire and that fire that he lit was creating this forest fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, like, I felt like, I think well, well, where were, did that traveling happen? They were, they were dragging him away. That's oh, they were dragging they dra- him. Oh, yeah, okay. they were pulling okay. him and Weena away. away so Weena's, this is when Weena bites it. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's gone. Because yeah, he's running around, he's killing Morlocks, he can't find his Weena. <laughs> or uh, or we or we think Weena's dead. He never tries looking for no, her. No, no, he just can't find. Like, no, she could be tied to a stake somewhere, uh, and he could, could I, save her. I think the one thing he was more looking for, because he was frantically bashing in skulls trying to find something. Yeah, it was his matches. 
Because they yeah. took his matches. Yeah, they and took his like, matches and I he still had a couple back, of... So he's smashing heads. He cares more about matches. the matches than Weena. Yes. Like, you know, she she was okay. She was warm at night, but she kept stuffing flowers into my pockets and she was stupid as a rock. <laughs> like, I don't... <laughs> okay, what's odd here is this forest fire starts approaching the Morlocks. Uh, this obviously messes with their underground vision. They just run into the fire. They, oh, they go. They, they go. Frantic. They're blind. They go frantic. They're, they're blind, blind and frantic, and they, just, and they just start running around like chickens with their heads yeah, cut yeah. off, and end up and blind and can't see anything, and run right into the fire. Right. It's like mm-hmm. a panic horse in a born born fire. You know, I got a couple horses. That after the horse fire. gets shot, and can't remember who it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! It's Jason Bornfire. <laughs> okay. And scene. <laughs> okay. Say that again. It's it's like a horse in a barn fire. They're just panicked. They will go anywhere, right. sometimes to their own death. Right. Oh my god, it's Jason Barn. But anyway, I do like uh, how I I do get this weird. The Morlocks shouldn't be that easy to kill. Right. I I feel that they should be a little like more like tough. Yeah. being underneath and he's just one hit killing him I, I feel mm-hmm. like though he's setting up again maybe this idea but how that, that there's no have conflict they been? Yeah. that there is yeah. no conflict yeah. that that society even though the Moorlocks are scary or preying on the Eloy uh, they are both so degenerate that late 1800s humanity is the top of the heap you know that we are in some way at, at a pinnacle point in and so he grabs grabs his crowbar and he's like screw it I'm out of here yeah. runs back to the pet, runs back to the sphinx pedestal right and to his surprise it's open the doors are open but yeah at, which was weird uh, but to what you said Bob yeah maybe we are just at the tipping point right of you know Neanderthal yeah intelligent human right um where we, we have the toughness, we have the smarts. Right. Well, yeah, like, I think he's saying that we're maybe, like, the balance of we have lived with struggle, strife, uh, pain, mm-hmm. and anguish, and it has made us this resilient, inquisitive species. We are we are the best, and that from here, the roads diverge, and there maybe isn't a best road to take. Yeah, and, 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 you know, you know hu- humans will be extinct at some point. They'll find this book and just find a, some sort of, like, masturbatory ex- exclam- exclamation of our greatness. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, and wow. Get, and what, 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 a sh- what a shot against humans and our wonderful ev- inventions and how we have to keep making things better. Mm, yeah. He gets to the pedestal. The pedestal's open. He's like, sweet. He goes, he grabs a match. He strikes the match. Nothing happens. He strikes the match. Nothing happens. <laughs> Son of a bitch, they're strike on box only. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is absolutely that was a so, spectacular drop. Yeah, yes, it you was. You have technologically put yourself in a corner. <laughs> you have so sufficiently described technology in the late 20 teens. <laughs> Strike on box only. Why can't I open? No! Why can't I open this file? Well, it only opens in strike on box. <laughs> no! Please do Please download. Please download it. Please download Flash to get these matches to work. Right. I love it. Oh, that's perfect. Well, the Morlocks. I don't know how smart we're supposed to think they are, but they've cleverly set this up as a trap. They close the garage door. <laughs> we've, um, we've got you now, man. Yeah, exactly. I can open the fourth dimension right. now. If there is one thing that I feel is kind of lacking, this doesn't really feel like there's a lot of pressure 
culture here. They've already established that he kicks their cans so easily that like he's pretty yeah. much just bashes a few of them and then just screws the handles back in and boom, we're off. Uh, See, I actually I'm going to disagree with you there. I felt I, that that it was right up to the end. It was right up to the end where he he felt their teeth, their biting into That is true. That's where I got that little tiny it's, teeth. It's, it's where know. you are sitting there going, "Will he actually felt be they able were like critters?" To, <laughs> and even if, it, well, yeah, and even if they are critters, there's now so many of them. He's getting overrun now by pure numbers. Yeah, yeah. You can only hold out with you, a club for so long. You can, you can, you can take out, you can take out when they're attacking one, two, or you know, action movie only attacking one at a time. Now he's got the entire like, you know. Massive group of rats climbing all over that's him, true. trying to fight right. it off. Right. And so that's why he's that's why he barely gets it screwed on. He slams it down because that's the only direction he can go right now. And he starts blasting yeah, off into right. more of the yeah. future. In my mind, I saw like little hands of the eight guys just like being left on the machine, mm-hmm. and like the rest of their body is behind, but just a little hand. Just Are you sure? You that's actually really movie. cool. That's really what? cool. Are you sure you didn't see the movie? In I haven't seen the movie. Is that what happens in yes. it? Oh, okay. okay. But I think there that's a good read on it. I think that's what you could come away with. Definitely. Because yeah, they were saying how uh, he, and he talked about how he was barely on the saddle. Right. Mm, right. So in my mind, it's just like, you're barely able to get that in and you just go for go for it all and just try to survive. I, I mean, I don't know. Audience, let me know. I, I, I might be thinking of the Ron, Ron, Ron Burgundy. The wrong <laughs> movie. Oh, my God. Right. I might be thinking of the wrong movie, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that's in that 2000s yeah, version of the yeah, time I machine so. where it's, I don't know. he takes don't off remember. and like he he brings some. I think he brings because the, they, they add them. they add the character Jeremy Irons' character yeah. in that movie mm-hmm. uh, as the Uber Morlock, and I yeah. think when he blasts when he blasts off at this point, he takes the Uber Morlock's arm with him. I think I, you're right. I watched yes. the movie. I don't remember one thing about the movie. I don't remember oh, Jeremy Irons' so I can't, huge I, I, makeup, I, and it's Jeremy Irons, so he can do anything. Yeah, that's that's cool. I can't wait it, to watch. It, it had the. Oh, we'll talk about it. We'll get it when we get there. But so we're on to the future with now with greater. He's he's going faster than he went the first time because he was beaten at the heck out of there right and he almost and see that's this is where i got a lot of that like you said paul a lot of that rush a lot of that urgency to get out of right. there because he's going way too fast now right uh chapter he, he, almost, he can't even stop himself he's going way too fast chapter 11 is my favorite chapter mm-hmm. out of this entire book I agree. Um, uh my it's it, he he goes uh so far into the future that we end up going like 30 million years and i love the description the of the spinning of the of the time dials. Yes. To where you can't. None of the dials are even. They're spinning so fast you can't even. No. You can't even well, get close to registering the numbers as he's flying right. through time. In these, in these two, it's it's a couple. He jumps twice, doesn't he? He jumps at first to where there's the I think creatures that you love so much, and then doesn't right. he jump forward one yes, more time? There's two yes. jumps. Okay. There is this two is jumps. the unintentional. Jump. I didn't know if I didn't know yeah. if I was reading that right or not. No, there is there is two different jumps. But what I love is we are leaving this frantic, dying human society where everything you know is still somewhat familiar and all of a sudden we it's like everything goes silent mm-hmm. and we're and just what an interesting description yeah. that, that was, that, I, I like that you say that everything went silent because that was exactly mm-hmm. yeah how I read it yeah yeah and yeah. what th- I mean this is the first yep. description where we've seen you know what we like, what we've seen oh. on film and what we've seen through visual yeah. representation of time travel right. is you're here then you're here yeah. This was the, the, the 
everything that has gone on where you see the sun go up and the sun go down, right. you see the things changing around you right. as you're tired. That's directly, this is his. This is all H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells came up with these right. great descriptions of watching things move until it finally right. gets to the point where the earth stops rotating and he figures he's far enough away he can stop. Yeah. Mm. What, I, what I love is, yeah, the, the sun has expanded into this red giant and the mm. earth has stopped rotating. It's it's come into lock with with the sun like the moon has, which mm. I, I think is great. And, and he, he goes, goes into the great, he goes into the description here too of, well, maybe the sun did that because... You know, as we are con- we are constantly right now on Earth in 2018, right. we are constantly in our rotation, moving closer to the sun. Right, right. So, and so, jumping that far into the future, well, the sun's got a couple planets to go through before it gets to us to stop right. our rotation. So right. now he just gives this scientific description of the sun of what could happen if another planet hits the sun. Yeah, right. Which is, I think, great. I love that the plants he describes as being vivid green and he, he relates them to being like moss, mm. which I like. It's accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. The idea of, you know, moss growing in twilight or in the mm-hmm. dimness, but being ex- yeah, the, incredibly the, the, the only thing I think, you know, just because it was written in 1890, yeah. the only thing... Um, because he talked about, like, oh, eventually the sun will go out and we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I think that has been disproven yeah. a couple times over since then. And right. what, what he described was, like, the, the sun would eat a planet and gain more energy. Right. That, None of that no, is... No, 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 no. The sun will no. just keep fusing right. atoms until it mm-hmm. becomes yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger and then collapses in on right. itself. Right, exactly. And um, ours is not big enough to become a black hole or anything like that. But no. but I love this idea, again, the visuals of, like like we were talking, just the silence with this giant red mm. sun, yes. these vivid green plants, and he's by the maybe, ocean maybe side. Maybe it's something to say about, like, the earth halting. It's There's no more spin. Yeah, I mean, well, And there is a comment in there, too, where he talks about Oh, I bet the Earth is like the moon, where there's the constant dark side. Right. Yeah. In the rotation. Well, and I think I think what I think is brilliant because I don't remember ever reading another book where the Earth has stopped and it's in like a a lock with the with the sun. What I think it what speaks to me in this part is again that idea of silence and that even nowadays we a lot of times will refer to the spin of the Earth as like we're on this planet that's moving and shaking and it's turning. This is like the Earth is laying down to die. You know, exactly. like, exactly. like it has, it has yeah. turned, it has stopped. The, the sun is dying and it, it, it every, there's all this stillness. Our, and, our, sp- and, I mean, our space, our, our spaceship that we're all on flying yeah. through space has run out of gas. Right. And now we're just, and now we're just, now we're just floating in space waiting to die. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it is actually an, an incredibly, um, uh, not I wouldn't say dark chapter, but it gives you there's time it's realistic realistic and I, I feel there's this time like I remember mm-hmm. one time reading a book by the late great uh, Carl Sagan called Contact and he wrote and I had never done this before but he wrote about how the main character would go out and lay in a field unobstructed by any other views mm-hmm. and just look up and be surrounded by stars and sometimes get a rush of feeling like you're falling into the stars you know and I feel there's times. Uh, when you read something mm-hmm. that gives you that mind expanding, like "oh my god" moment, and this is one of those times where it, I reading this, it, I was if like, I, if, I, if I can kind of give words to it, yeah, what, yeah, um, we have as humans sort of anthropomorphized Earth, right? Mother Earth, Mother, Mother Nature, right? And this is her death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this sort of collective life that has grown on this rock, right, has ceased. It's halted, right. 
It's your it's your maybe vi- maybe there's it's some your, like it's your vibrant grandmother that yeah, yeah, that, you, that you grew up right. with who is now that a is vegetable it. in the hospital bed. Mm. And I yeah. like how he kind of goes with and being being a person who now would have sat under Darwin and Huxley and and kind of had this idea of okay early earth would have looked like this mm. with just you know, primordial, the primordial look of early earth. He's almost taking that idea of humans started, you know, how kind of like how, how we die is kind of how we are born. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the earth, how the earth is going out is the same way earth was born. Oh, it's all cyclical. You know, I, it's, yeah, I, I, which I, I love. Did you guys see it as a very peaceful I didn't. I, I didn't. Or, a, or an angry one. I didn't oh, see it yeah. as peaceful or angry. I saw it. I, I saw it as as very uh, slow and agonizing. Yeah, de- de- and uh, depressing almost in some ways. Like it's. I think it's meant. The rotation stops and it just cooks. Right. I think what it's meant to do is take. But that, that's based on our frame right. of reference I, of time. I, I think it's meant to take all the struggles that we have just gone through talking about societies. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like I feel like if he is painting a picture where he's going to try to argue with the people of his time about societal structure, he's going to say, "Okay, I have maybe said a bunch of things about society that are going to anger you all. Let's step back mm-hmm. and look at the big picture, and I'm going to bring you to a time where the Earth is now dying." You mean like all of this is a construct of we're humans? Dirt. We're dirt, and 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 yeah, and we will all return to dust. And you and, know, and and we as human, we as human beings have this idea that we are this great and wonderful thing. First off, right. in real life, we have barely scraped the surface <laughs> right. of being on this right. earth for the yeah. time being that the earth has been around. Yeah. Mm. And I took it as that aspect of coming to the end and coming to the death right. and realizing. We don't matter. Right. This human society does not matter one iota right. when it comes to the complete cyclical life right. of the earth. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I d- definitely. And I think, again, remember that for his audience, this would have been probably the first novel they would have ever written with the ideas of deep time in them. You know, the, he's yeah. also exposing an entire Especially. generation to the idea of 30 million years and the changes that happen on the earth. And it's, and especially something that's going to be really accessible to the common person. Right. Oh, definitely. In a, in a wonderful way for the common person. Um, but like there's these giant crabs of some sort that Don't are forget the huge white butterfly. Right. Yeah. yeah, and a huge white butterfly thing. <laughs> huge white butterfly, giant crabs. Oh crap! I gotta run. There is still some. Yeah, hits life. it. But like, what? He only goes like a month. No, he goes forward again. Yeah, he goes forward again. Uh, so, so that like first that. time we go forward, it's not. I don't think it's told to us how far he goes. He just goes forward until there's lichens and crabs in the earth. Mm. The sun is no, expelled. No, yeah, no, it is. It is yeah, a month. He, he it is a month because yeah. because he's sitting there and he's standing on the beach and he's watching the crabs and the moth and he's going. Oh my god! And I just had these huge, these great visions of these huge, like, yeah. um, of these huge hermit crabs coming out of the ocean. Right? Yeah, and, you know, which like is pretty horror cool. Horror movie hermit crabs coming out of coming yeah. out of the ocean, and all of a sudden he goes and sometimes I sometimes and there's one and behind he turns him. around and there's one behind him that just tickled right. him with his antenna. Oh my god! And he goes yeah. crap, and he blasts a month into the future, right. and they're all over the freaking place now. Yeah. Right. Um, are, are you sure it's only a month? Because I swear it's this second jump that he for sure sets it at thirty million. Well, I'm years. actually to be to be fair, I'm reading Spark Notes because I I, I stopped taking yeah. notes. No, it's yeah. about a month that he point. goes the first time, and then he just starts jumping randomly a hundred randomly every hundred years when he sees something different change. 
I thought he only does two jumps. He jumps the first time, and he's on this shore with oh. these crabs, and then he jumps the. Because actually, we've talked about the lock of the earth oh, in here, Thailand, here, here, yeah. and it uh, hadn't happened yet. It was a thirty million year mark. I, I, yeah, it's where thirty million years. Nothing but a slime thir- and that black he thing checks flopping. It. He checks it as he's watching the dial and watching stuff go on oh, around him. I, yeah, I didn't. See, I didn't. It's catch uh, that yeah. I, I mean, I. I'm just reading Spark Notes here because I, I'm not gonna. I I was so into this book that I, st- I stopped taking notes. Yeah. So I'm going. And I'm off going of off of what I wrote. Um, then, but I thought I thought that it was he. He, he basically jumps twice. He feels something brush his neck. It is in the antenna of a second giant crab right next to him. He hurriedly skips a month into the future to escape, but finds the beach to be covered with more crabs. And so he keeps going. He and keeps going. Keeps going, and he looks down at the stopping, dial and goes, stopping every hundred yeah. years or so, watching yeah, he, the Earth. Right. He's not really. Ebb he, away. He, he, he's stop. He's observing. He's stopping to observe every couple. He's right. watching the dial. Okay. There's right. wow, we've got a couple hundred years now. Wow, everything looks right. like this. We've got a couple. And then hundred I years think still. isn't it this final stop where we it's know for million. sure it's yes. thirty million years. Yeah. Yes. This is me reading this point in the book. Right. I'm just so ingrained right. in it. This yeah. I, we, we have gone from you know old 1800s to this very plausible version of the future. Right. And I mean, things are getting more alien. And, yeah, and just as it was getting boring, all of a sudden the the Morlock showed up. Right. And it got more exciting, and all right. of a sudden he's jumping into a future that's just chaos. Right, right. I mean, like I, I'm just cruising. I'm cruising yep. through this book. I, I agree. And so um, yeah, we so we get here 30 million years. And this is where future. things now are incredibly. Uh, a lot of what we just talked about actually is happening here, where the Earth mm-hmm. is now in death. It, mm-hmm. It's in tide lock. Well, there's uh, another thing in the sky because we're close. Some to planets planet. or so, the moon. It could be another planet yeah. that's that's yep. coming and by now. When when you guys read this, because this is automatically this right. is where this is where my head went. It's black. There's darkness. There's all this stuff going around. There's weird yeah. things in the sky, and he begins to feel faint. Uh, yeah, I think there's low oxygen. That's yeah. that's yeah. exactly yeah. where yeah. I went. Is it, is, it yeah. is it wasn't is it wasn't the time traveler going? Oh my god! Yeah. you know I'm I'm at this emotional end of the earth. It's the uh, good, uh, the atmosphere's now changed yeah. and I can't breathe. I can't breathe anymore. Because he talks about red shores with green lichens and slime. So the only thing that's creating oxygen would be some lichens and some slime. So I think there's it's the oxygen content is now so low he can barely make it. And, a, and then there's this and weird, weird football with tentacles. Yes. Flops up on the <laughs> flops up on the which I version. Which I love because now the alien the, the world has become so alien that it's just mm-hmm. it's it's it doesn't even feel like home. And almost and almost again, going that full circle back again to where he watched, just like you know, if you if you look at you know Darwinian theory, if you look at everything else, just like the beginning of life on Earth was this gelatinous ooze slopping out of the ocean. Now we're at the end of the Earth, and now we is this new life that's flopping right. out that's, of the ocean? That's definitely some sort of what new I form thought. Of life? I mean, but yeah, when you want I did. I didn't think so. I I thought because he's flopping, okay. I thought it, it showed life is just. Dying. dying, something it's, trying, it's to, struggling. Maybe, yeah. maybe something trying to become alive and yeah. just dying. Just fu- the futility of life. It's some sort of football thing flopping. That's on how the I shore. thought too. Or it's just. But I, I, I think this yeah. is where you know that H.G. Wells does not have a time machine. Yeah. Because at this point in time, we do know that everything in our past was so large. Right. Because there was so much oxygen. Right. Right. And at this point in time, there's obviously no atmosphere. There is no oxygen. The time traveler cannot breathe. Right. No, there should be no 
football sized no. anything on the no, shore. No, good, good lord. Yeah. Unless they have evolved unless they to breathe. Yeah. Unless they don't breathe oxygen. Breathe vacuum? There I has mean, to be some sort of exchange. Yeah. There has to be. Like, I mean, you have to bring other matter into you. And, yeah. And you know. again, this this description as he's able to breathe again, and he's gone through all of the all of these trials as he's watching the buildings re like mm-hmm. essentially re rebuild themselves in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's going back in time, and he gets to the point where he sees the maid but, walk across the yeah. room again, and then and realizes at that point when he sees Mrs. Watchet rot walk across the room again that. Oh crap! I'm in a different part of the laboratory. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because they thank, moved your machine again. Thank goodness you didn't appear in a wall. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I love this last line Very for this convenient. this this chapter again about this silence. I love what he does, and I think he's re- he's saying this to this to his audience. He says, "Silent. It would be hard to convey the stillness of it. All the sounds of man, the bleeding of sheep." The cries of birds, the hum of insects, mm. the stir that makes the background of our lives, all that was over. You know? And it's just like, oh, it, it's it's such a forlorn kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a very poignant end to his travels. And like you said, Club, then he comes, he comes back. So mm. chapter 12, our travel returns. He's got the flowers that he's showing. They look at them. Uh, they, they get you get this idea that they haven't seen these flowers before. But again, they still think he's being kind of a charlatan. Mm-hmm. I, I, nobody really believes him. You no. bred these. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. What well, good story, mate? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yes, and then he and, and what do you mean? Like, what, what would you think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. He has nothing to show no. for this except for this crazy story and a yeah. cut on his face. A couple flowers. Yeah. Weird looking flowers. Which already been established as rhododendrons. Who yeah. cares if they're big? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, like whatever. And we get this. He finishes his story and he breathes. And then even he himself. Did that really happen? Yeah, exactly. So he gets up and rushes back to the laboratory. Everybody follows him. We see that. We see that. The time machine is there, but now it's got like weird pieces of sod on it. Yeah, right. Well, exactly. and they wasn't still moved to. Yeah, it's on. It's Yeah, yeah, it's on the moved a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's on the other side of. It's on the other side yeah. of the laboratory. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said, Luke, uh, if you're a person who's supposed to believe this story, there is no evidence here with the time machines. Oh, absolutely. Bit, and there's sod on it, and there's a. You know, it's 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 great. But are we moving into the epilogue? Yes. Um, it's uh, well, uh, the only the only thing I'm going to bring up um, is about him. Not being able to breathe, escaping, and being able to breathe. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a plot hole there. Uh, you you shouldn't pick up oxygen as you move. He needed to stop and pick yes. some up. Yes, but, right. I, I, but I could, moving on. To yeah, that, right. It, yeah. But where do the dimensions collide? That. Well, I, I mean, if if you can't see it as it moves through, you shouldn't pick up any. If you were to pick up any like oxygen as you went through, you'd create a vacuum, and there'd be like these weird like. You'd feel it. But he did feel stuff. He did feel he stuff did. when he moved he forward. He did. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. He felt the fourth. I. No, I, I, I agree. I, that, that's definitely what I thought, too. Mm-hmm. Is just like, okay, yeah, there's there's issues yeah, with the whole sh- oxygen. He, sh- he should have to stop. <laughs> but, yeah. Get some and, air and then right. keep going. And it doesn't matter. Again, we're, I think we're just meant to. But, the, I mean. The power of what he's supposed but to. But with, with how good this 1890s book is, <laughs> yeah. I have to poke holes in it somewhere because yeah, we're exactly. a literature review podcast. We have to. No, I agree. I agree. I'm and, bringing science into this. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And we could have even harder yes. than, than we did. I mean, you, know, we, you could have really gone into okay what what will actually happen mm. when the sun dies and and what is you know all of, we really could have hit but it all of it too. on the surface believable 
Very, very believable. Yes. Again, he did his job. Yes. It's very exce- and, and, and written to be very accessible to very the masses. Very accessible. Oh, my goodness. But he is determined On to, to the epilogue. Yeah, he, he is determined to prove what has happened, so he, he comes back. Uh, just our narrator returns mm. uh, to visit, and the traveler is about to leave. He's got a knapsack and a camera, and he's going to prove that he's traveled. He's at least a little more prepared this a time. A little pre- more prepared this time, which, I, yeah. Why which didn't he do I, this the first time? No, no, I, I, <laughs> I totally get that. Being somebody who works with, like, experimental science and technology. Yeah. Like, you'll, you'll just do something and be like, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> right, yeah. I didn't think that was going to work. Yeah. You're so excited that you built yeah. a time machine, you're just going to no, do I, it. I, I totally understand yeah. that. Oh, for sure. And occasionally you get through and go, I, how, how did that work? Right. Yeah. What did I do? Yeah, I, wish somebody, <laughs> I wish somebody would have been watching me. Yeah. Uh, so it's been three years, and the traveler still has not returned. Well, yeah, oh, and, and there's so this, good. And there's so a, good. A great, great way to do this, too, because... You know, the time traveler says, I'll be back in a half an hour. Yeah. And so the guy goes, guy goes, sits, sits in the lounge, smokes a cigarette, smokes a cigarette or a cigar, and reads the paper for a while. And then, all right, well, folks, it's been three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He hasn't I, returned yet. I, I love the way this ends. Yeah. I, do. So I, don't, I don't think good. he could have ended it any other way, though. No. The way he has written no, the story No, if the time so traveler far, would have came back and been like, hey, look at all these pictures of yeah. all these skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah no, this, like, this no. is how you end this book. He leaves. Yeah. He never comes he, back. They, the, oh. he has two pressed flowers in, in a book, which he says are a symbol of man's enduring gratitude and mutual tenderness. Which, if there's one thing that I'm going to kind of question, I, I don't know why he says that. Uh these flowers, a symbol of man's enduring gratitude and mutual tenderness. So I think, is he saying that even though man was degenerate, that little spark of love he found with Weena and her giving him of the flower showed that even with everything that happened, humanity still retains gratitude and mutual tenderness towards each other. To me, that is that is. Even, even extremely weak in terms of like oh, yeah. the lesson to take away from yes. all this, but you know, even when we've lost everything, and even when we've lost our minds and are unable to process complex ideas, you give a girl flowers, or she gives you flowers, and that just means that everything's okay. Except for it seems like when when she was giving him the flowers, I'm it was not it was man. it was exclusively because it entertained no. her to shove. Flowers into a pocket because they're all none of their clothes. Yeah. So it wasn't even like even, a love yeah. I, I agree. Even when we're reading it, this doesn't seem like love. This seems like a, an idiot that that is hanging around with you, annoyingly shoving flowers exactly. into your pocket. Yeah, but this idiot can still appreciate beauty and wants to right. share beauty right. with another right. person. Uh, but of all or, the, or if we had a blurb earlier about right. the fact that the Eloy were actually cultivating the flowers. But I feel like you should end more on this idea of. Of societies and the destruction, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and our place in the universe. This idea of enduring gratitude and mutual tenderness seems to be the least of all that you would. I mean, maybe pull just out cut it at. Yeah. It's been three years, and he never came back. That's where I would cut it yep. at. Yeah, the end. Roll the credits. End. Because roll already credits. you are left with the weight of what you've just read. Yeah. You know, and I don't feel like that little tag yeah. at the end was necessary no, at all. No, it's it's uh, you know takes away from the value 
I, I agree. It, well, it's, it's, it's almost shoving yeah. an idea or a, a morality yeah, yeah, that yeah. hasn't been told through the book. It's yeah. his, it's, it, it's his little it, it's his socialist tag at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it really I, is. No, no, no. You are totally right. And, yeah, and we, it is completely I, I a socialist like, tag at yeah, the end. That yeah. Even when we've lost everything, the human spirit endures. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't remember that part of that book. I I feel like yeah. when I reached the end of the book and it said. And I've still well, you had to you kind of close. You, you, you kind of closed the book. You're like, I don't know where it's going. You're yeah. you're pinch when, hitting for us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, I but I think you're exactly right too, Luke. Is it would have cheapened it had he come back. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh. Nope. Because now that, that would that would have been like. All right, we built the foundation, we laid the studs, we put the dry or the insulation in, the drywall up, and you know what? we're going to set on fire now. And like, right, right. like what why did you do all that footwork? <laughs> and at the time when this was being marketed too, where um, a lot of these stories and a lot of these things were set up as serials and magazines right. and newspapers right. and things like that, he Wells completely left himself open to do a sequel if he wanted. Yeah, yeah, he could have. This completely leaves it open for, you Absolutely. know, The Time Machine Part 2. Right. Time oh, Boogaloo. Where all of a sudden the time, where all of a sudden the, you know, our time traveler reappears and goes, hey, you're never going to guess what happened. Right, exactly. Or all, or all of a sudden appears yeah. somewhere, come with me if you want to live. And I think this is his first, one of his My first father novels. told me of an old man who talked of Time Machine. Right. Yeah. So overall opinions right. of no. the Time huh? Machine by H.G. Wells. Final final thoughts on this book? Do you recommend this book or not, Paul? You know, I'm I'm gonna say I came in reading this like I said today <laughs> after having not read it at all. Yeah, and I was quiet. A, you <laughs> and I was able to sit and read it all in one day. It kept my interest for that entire day. It wasn't a slog to sit there and go okay i have to finish this today it was a oh okay this is a good book i read like 30 pages of it and then the last 30 pages of it i kind of did two sittings and it was done right. it was like oh so if you have i don't know three hours four hours a couple hours periodically to break it up i'd highly recommend reading this book it's one of those that i enjoyed reading it was there were a few times where i was kind of like what but otherwise it was good. I mean, an adult, absolutely read it. Now, a kid, not so much, but definitely it is a good adult book. You can sit down, read it, and be done with it. So that's mine. Cloud, what about you? I mean, really, what can I say here? H.G. Wells is one of the founding fathers of science fiction. He is one of those iconic writers that most of his stuff really does transcend time. When you look at the time machine, he set up and the things that came out of his head and the way he used the writing of his time and the way that writing of his time was distributed in order to really write science fiction that was accessible to the common person is beautiful. The number of things that come out of this that we look at when we look at fantasy, science fiction, um, even crime and drama and things like that are so numerous that I will always recommend The Time Machine. I was actually, uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I would, rec I would recommend this to upper elementary junior high kids. I think it's something that could be very that could be very accessible to them because it doesn't go too deep into the scientific details. It gives you just enough of that bump to where 
if you have a little bit of a scientific background, you can make the leaps yourself. Uh, again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast here, like I said a couple times while we were doing this, I was in a stage version of this. I was the time traveler in a stage version of this, so this story, this plotline will always ha have an iconic place in my heart. So yes, I will always 100% recommend HUL's The Time Machine. And again, like you said, Paul, too, great way to spend an afternoon. Absolutely. Luke, where are you sitting here? I... Especially coming off of the uh, PKD, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and complaining about old writing, uh, finding out that this was written in 1890-something after I'd already read it, I... I was, I mean, I, you, you could tell there were, there were, there were some, I, we, we talked about, it, there were some points that you could tell, but there were, there were very few and far between. I, I would recommend this to anybody just based upon the fact that it's that old and like, you would barely believe that it was that old. I, I would, I would recommend it just based on, you know, the merit that it holds up. You know, I mean, it gets a little towards the end, you know, a little funky, but I mean, but it's, 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 it's all believable. Mm -hmm. I, I, I cannot recommend this book more highly. I, I would recommend this book above anything else that I have recommended on this podcast. Wow. Wow. Based on when it was written, how it was written and when I read it. Bob, well, yeah. where you at, friend? Well, uh, you already brought it up because what I would do is uh, to point out we just got done reviewing Philip K. Dick's mm -hmm. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. And that was a book that I recommended. And again, another uh, hallmark of science fiction, that mm -hmm. book. And although I, I highly recommend that book, that book did show mm -hmm. its age, I think, far more. Yes. And this, this book does. Um, Philip K. Dick uh, did what I think is great about science fiction, which is make a commentary on the human condition using mm. science fiction, uh, which is what I think all great science fiction does, but fell short in a lot of areas. And also, I mean, his ideas of empathy mm. uh, and materialism in Philip K. Dick was, was kind of a small theme that was nailed over and over. And Philip K. Dick just hammered that idea over and over again into you. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it started to lose some of its resonance. Whereas when you get to the time machine, um, this has a lot to say. It is a short book, but it its scope is is as large as what is portrayed in the in the novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is making commentary on societies and class structure and on evolution and our place in the universe and a dying earth. Uh, it is science fiction. It's it's amazing that this is almost the birth of science fiction, and yet we have probably the best example of what mm. true science fiction should do gives you the rush of blood to the head as you read it and and you're awestruck by by what it's telling you it is making you question everything you've thought about society and 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 your place in it um it is it is head and shoulders i i agree with you guys uh head and shoulders above probably anything we have read in mm. terms of its value culturally 
you know, a lot of the stuff we've read is is a lot of fun, but I don't know about the cultural value of mm-hmm. it, you know, for long term. This this is an incredibly important piece, and I would highly recommend it to anybody. Um, but yeah, that's what I would have to say. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. So there it is. We are, man, we are just coming out strong out right. of spring break with The Time Machine, a book that I was pretty skeptical about reading. Yeah, yeah like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that, again, that speaks to what Bob was saying, too, about not only making the social commentary, but writing in a relatable way. Right. Mm-hmm. Even, the, even the books that we've t- talked about on the podcast here at... They're relatable. It, we've done a lot where it's relatable if you're into that genre. Right. If you're, in, if you're into those universes being built. Right. We have a whole universe built here in seven pages. Yeah. Right. Or seven, hey, seven hey, pages. Are, are you human? Cool. Keep reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. That is the only yeah. thing you need to be. You don't have to be a fan of science fiction or fantasy no. to access this one. I don't think at all. No, and you don't... and. Don't be scared, listeners out there. Don't be scared looking at the fact that, well, I was written in the 1800s. I'm not going to be, oh, there's these and now. No, you're good. Well, if they're listening now, they've read it. (laughs) Yeah, but... But it is it it is that portion where you, you, it is so relatable and it's so relatable to all of us right. in our human condition, mm-hmm. right? And e- even if you listen to this and you didn't read it, because I know I know that this podcast is sort of a a gateway drug to books, <laughs> um, and like and it, it can be used to not read a book and just get the general idea. Um, no, don't, don't, no. Read, read this book, especially yeah. for this one because I'm looking at, I'm looking right now at our time as we're recording here, and it it's, would, it's it would gonna take, ta- it's gonna take you pretty much as long to read the book it is as it is good, going to be to listen to this book. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, right. On on that note, hey, let's let's get out of here. You know, guys, audience, everybody, uh, we're back. Yeah. Uh, spring break. We're we're feeling fresh. We missed right, you guys. Right, right. We hope you missed us. Um, we're gonna come. We we're coming back, hitting you with an an oldie, but definitely a goodie. This is Paul's um, pick. Oh, this this is my this is my pick, and it, it's it's gonna be. Oh, no, I was talking about the time machine. Oh. I haven't, oh. I haven't started that book yet. <laughs> oh yeah. So Ender's Game is what we're doing next. That's going to be good. Again, mm-hmm. we we got really balled up with stuff. Again, I I don't think it's news to anybody who's listening. If you've listened for a while, that all of us work in the field of education, uh, and things got get really tough for us this that last month. We had kind of mm-hmm. a spring break, and a lot of people were doing a lot of things. So that's why there's been this long kind of pause between mm-hmm. things. We had had plans to get out the review of the movies before this it mm. didn't really work out so we're hoping mm. to kind of maybe really come get a lot of our stuff together and get those movie reviews we're going to do try to do both time machine movies mm. for this we're going to try to go back and do the blade runner movies as promised mm. and those are all and and folks remember those are all going to be bonus episodes that go along with this episode right. 15 is going to come out um here in a couple and then weeks. nothing else will be numbered that is that is our <laughs> That is our, uh, that is our next show. That is our next book. We're going to be jumping into you, Ender's you, Game on that one. Believe, 
15. That's yeah, 15, and that's not counting. That's not oh, counting the bonus episodes. Yeah, yeah. this is pretty good. Hey, we uh, take a look oh, on take a look on Facebook. You. Take a look on Twitter, uh, especially with Facebook and the website. Take a look at us for Dungeons and Dweebs. You'll see the reading calendars that are up there that we're going right. to be going mm-hmm. through. Yeah. With that, I'm really excited about Ender's Game. I'm really excited about uh, Darker Shade of yeah, Magic. Yeah, the other things yeah, that hey, we're going de- into. De- definitely check it out because I mean, you know, not only do we take uh, a break from recording, we took a break from social media in general. Yeah, so nothing's um, been going yeah, out. So it yeah. might have appeared like we were all dead, but uh, we weren't. No, we were here, <laughs> we were here. Uh, just taking a break, doing our thing. Yeah. We're here. I mean, this was, I. We, we all talked about there was something missing from our lives. Oh, definitely. This is, we haven't even been doing this for a year, and it's just, yeah. it's, right. we love you guys. Thank you. Um, Hit us up with some feedback on the social media, and uh, yeah, let's hey, keep going alive. forward. Hey, I tell you what, you guys, it's the old man's turn this time. Let's get one more round. Let's hit that dusty road. I got to get my saddle and my time machine outside. <laughs> you know what? I have saddle swass. I've, I've, <laughs> oh, I've got a couple of Yes, he does. I've got a couple of shillings here and a coarse rod I can screw it in here. There you go. <laughs>